does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. I again question how old Jimmy Cook thinks I am by his musical selections on the program. If you could steer that more kind of like 80s, 90s, early 2000s hip-hop, it'd probably be the way to go. I panicked, and I just went with a jam. Better than just simple nothing, like the classical music pause before we enter the third act of the symphony. Marley Marr on the symphony is kind of more my speed, by the way. My name is Greg Rakestraw, and this is the Fan Midday Show on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I will warn you now, I am not as funny or handsome as Joey Molinero was the last three days in here. Brendan King, I got him covered. It's Joey is the one that I worry about. One James Cook is on the uh, ones and twos and will be joining in from time to time on the program as well. The cavalcade of stars continues in terms of those that are filling in on this program, and I will be doing that today and tomorrow because I simply don't have enough going on in my life. It's kind of like me going to the buffet. There's simply not an ability by me to say no to these things. Uh, had a ball game Tuesday night. That was Carmel and Buff. Had the Marion men last night. Tonight, I have IUPUI and Robert Morris on ESPN+. Plus. Tomorrow, I've got An- I've got Avon and Danville. I almost called them Anvil. Avon and Danville. Get that out of the way now. Thank you. And then a triple header on Saturday. I'm going to work in reverse, by the way, in terms of my Saturday schedule. A 7 o'clock game for Youngstown State going for their first conference championship in more than three decades of being a Division I school as they take on IUPUI. Uh, That is preceded by, on these radio airwaves, I'm sure, the 2A Girls State Championship game between LaPelle and Forest Park. And then the game before that would be the 1A Girls Championship game. Second year in a row that I have done that game on television. Last year, I thought I'd see my hometown in that game. This year, I am seeing my hometown in that game. The Lanesville Eagles, the Bethany Christian Bruins. And, uh, well, whatever free time I have had this week pretty much has been dedicated to answering questions from folks back home. What time's the building open? 9.30. What's the good place to eat? Somebody asked for Italian. I said, you want to do it old school? Let's go to Irea's. You want to have the Indy experience? Do St. Elmo's, Harry and Izzy's, etc. So I'm fill-in talk show host, play-by-play guy, and tour guide. That is my job this week, and I would not have it any other way. The line that I have used, and I will obviously talk more about my hometown pretty much vacating over the next couple of days and all coming to Indianapolis. Um, the line that, that I would use about that is kind of like the line from Hoosiers when asked about the state finals in Normandale. So it's kind of like me and you going to the moon. Growing up at the end of the single class era, we never dreamed about winning a state championship. We dreamed about winning a sectional championship. When I graduated from high school, the school had won three sectional championships in program history in all sports combined. That number became four by the time class sports started 25 years ago. And now, 
Lanesville is playing for a fourth state championship, and I have been on the call of three of them. How crazy is that? So that's my week. You're like, hey, that's all well and good. What's coming up on the show today? Well, again, I get to do this maybe about once a month. I think the last time I filled in on in this portion of the fan programming lineup, I think it was like very early January. Again, I keep a rather rigorous schedule this time of year or pretty much 12 months a year at this point. So when Todd Meyer, and he's one of the brains of the operations behind the scenes here, when Todd reached out a couple of weeks ago about doing the show today and tomorrow, I thought, you know, since I don't do this very often, I really just kind of want to reach out to people that I like and want to have an interesting conversation with. But, you know, a caveat there, people that I think you would care about too. In other words, there is something relevant going on. This isn't going to be one, well, hey, how are you doing? And, you know, take it from there. No, these are all people that have interesting storylines and maybe some that don't get the recognition I think they deserve. Now, amazingly how this worked out is today is a coach's show. I literally have six basketball coaches that are going to join the program today. There will be time for your telephone calls, 317-239-1070. There are time for your emails. They still give me an email, an email address handle here, greg at 1070thefan.com. Hit me up on Twitter, at Greg Rakestraw, where you can also watch the program too. And you can watch it on YouTube, and I will figure out a way to interact with those of you lounge style, as JMV would say, will interact via the YouTube chat room as well throughout the course of the program. But um, like after I get through my opening monologue, uh, I'd I'd put away the phone until two because I literally have guests like the next five segments of the show. So in order of appearance, coming up at 1230, Josh Schertz will be on the program. Josh is the head coach of Indiana State University. The Trees had a winning streak, I want to say, of seven games, maybe longer, but unfortunately got snapped. Uh, and they saw a double-digit lead evaporate in Nashville last night against Belmont, new member of the Valley. Indiana State, one more Valley game left to go. Then it is on to Arch Madness next week. Yes, for about half of the Division I teams in the state of Indiana, regular season ends this week, and then it is on to conference tournament play. Indiana State and Ball State, and Michael Lewis will be on today as well. I'll get to him in a matter of moments. They've had great seasons. They've had wonderful turnaround seasons, but they also now are in a, a level of college basketball where there is, they're really what mid-majors were 15, 20 years ago. I'm not sure that exists anymore. Maybe get a team like Oral Roberts, which is, you know, they made the Sweet 16 two years ago. I think they're undefeated in the Summit League this year. They've racked up enough Q rating and quality wins Maybe they get an at-large bid. Charleston is somewhat similar to that. I think Florida Atlantic, and obviously that story's been talked about because of Dusty May's ties and his friendship with JMV, both being Eastern Green Thunderbirds. So there's a couple of three teams like that. But for teams in the Missouri Valley and teams in the Mid-American Conference, there are some really good teams in those two leagues, but they know they are one-bid leagues. So we'll talk about that with Indiana State, the job that Josh has done, and the jump that he has made from the Division II level 
a level that I am rather partial to, being a Division II athletic alumnus of the University of Indianapolis. And by athletic, meaning I played a sport. I wasn't at all athletic, but somehow talked my way into a team for the better part of four years. But I'll talk with Josh about that and life in Terre Haute, et cetera. And that is coming up in the next segment of the show. Now, these days, a lot of my calling of basketball games are of the high school variety. Still do the IUPUI home games, mix in some Marion games for the ISC Sports Network from time to time. But I am always partial to the man whose games I called when he was the head coach of the IUPUI Jaguars. Ron Hunter was here for 17 years. I was the primary play-by-play voice for nine of those years. For the last eight of those years, we were 500 or better. Uh, three times, actually four during that stretch, we played in the conference final. One time, and I can't believe this was 20 years ago, we won the darn thing and played in the NCAA tournament. Well, since that time, Ron is probably more well-known across college basketball circles for what he and his son RJ did together at Georgia State. And whether it's Ron falling out of his chair because he tore his Achilles celebrating the week before, uh, the fact they beat Baylor uh, in that game, Ron has since moved on to Tulane, And after a couple of years of struggle, the Green Wave have 17 wins. Now, it's probably not enough to get them in the NCAA tournament conversation. Perhaps they're in the NIT conversation. But Tulane, that has one of the smallest facilities at the largest level of Division I basketball, I think their building holds 4,000, maybe. The fact that he's gotten them that far above 500 and what I think is year number three for Ron at this point, is amazing and if you've not heard ron and i on the radio before we always find a way to have a good conversation so even though they got beat by houston last night by 30 ron hunter and the head coach of the Tulane green green wave will be joining us coming up at 12 45 as i said michael lewis will be joining us they had their disappointing loss on saturday against western michigan then back that up with a big time win earlier this week They've got some dudes, and again, they've got an extra week. The MAC tournament lines up with like the Big Ten, SEC, ACC, et cetera. Their championship game is in Cleveland uh, two weeks from this Saturday night, so they still got a little more season left to go. But Michael Lewis has been fantastic, as we all know he would be. I thought that was an absolute coup when Ball State got him to leave being an assistant coach at UCLA to go be a head coach in the MAC. because let's face it, you know, a lot of these, a lot of times, and, and I've been told that's not the case here. I'm not going to talk about his salary on the show, but he did get a pay increase to go to UCLA to Ball State because I'll be honest, I thought it took a bit of a pay cut. I thought that was likely what happened. I have been told by a source that would know that was not the case. But anyway, Michael wanted to come home and he's doing great things at Ball State. So much so, they started to get mentioned for like other jobs. Not sure if he's going to leave after one year. And again, I won't put him on the spot and ask him about that. We're going to talk about his team, his season, being back in Indiana. That comes up to start the 1 o'clock hour of the program. After that, I mentioned Division Two. Paul Casaro will be joining us on the program. The Greyhounds, like, haven't lost in two months. I think the win streak is up to 17 or 18 at this point. They are ranked number four in the country. What matters most at the Division II level is where you are ranked in your region of the country. 
The uh, Midwest region rankings are Great Lakes. I'm not sure whatever official region it is, but it comprises three conferences. UND's league, the Great Lakes Valley Conference, the GLIAC, the largely Michigan league, and the GMAC, which is a mixture of Michigan and Ohio schools. That comprises, I want to say off the top of my head, about 40 schools. You need to be in the top eight of those. That's what qualifies you for the NCAA tournament. If you are the number one seed, you get to host three rounds of the tournament in your building. Again, I'll make references to the 90s because while I'm, I'm in my mid-40s, I'll do that whether I intend to or not throughout the portion of, throughout the show today. But UND was slated to host the regional three years ago. COVID hit. Teams were literally on their way to Indianapolis when they were told to turn around. Season's over. The time before that, that UND got to host a regional, you have to go back to, well, very early in Jimmy's life. Mr. Cook, how old are you for record-keeping purposes? Just turned 28 last month. Okay, so James was uh, about two years old the last time that UND actually got to host a regional and games were played. I was in college. I was not legally allowed to drink yet. There's a very important disclaimer that I just included in, you know, for for statute of limitations from 26 years ago. You get the idea. It's been a while. Well, the Hounds yesterday were ranked numero uno in the Midwest region rankings. And if that holds, they have two more regular season games and then as many as three games left in the GLVC tournament. If they hang on to the number one ranking, there is a chance for them to play up to six postseason games and not have to leave the state of Indiana and win the national championship. The Division II level, it's two waves of the tournament. Eight regionals, those eight winners get together. It's the Elite Eight in Division II. And that is played at the Ford Center in downtown Evansville. So there is a scenario where the University of Indianapolis after the conference tournament, doesn't leave the state of Indiana and could play all the way until the end of March. So we'll talk about that with Paul Casaro. They are, in fact, in action tonight. They're on the road. There's like three or four schools in the St. Louis area. Hounds play two of them this weekend. I'll actually you know, look this up before I have a conversation with him, but he is kind enough to join us from the road on game day. Now, the man that preceded him at UND is Stan Girard, and Stan is now at USI. Stan knows there will not be postseason, at least in the NCAA or NIT level, for his team. That is part of the process of making the jump from Division II to Division One. It's a four-year wait. They could play, and, and I'm not sure. I assume these things are still existing this year. I haven't looked. But play things like the CBI, the College Basketball Invitational, or the CIT, the College Insider. I think that got rechristened in some way last year. But it's the tournaments that, frankly, the Ball States, Purdue, Fort Wayne's, Indiana States of the world, and even a couple of times IUPUI in the last decade or so, those are the tournaments they have typically played in. You know, kind of for that group that's had nice years, over 500 years, but didn't qualify for the NCAA and aren't going to go play in the NIT. I think USI can play in those. Um, but in year one, Stan Gerard's team has been over 500 most of the season. They also have their conference tournament in their own backyard. That too is at the Ford Center in Evansville. In fact, that starts next week. So we'll talk to Stan about year one at the Division One level. If you don't know Stan's background, national championship winning player at USI, um, was on the staff at UND, 
then joined Royce Waltman's staff at Indiana State, then became the head coach at UND, did phenomenal things there, and as Bear Bryant likes to say, Mama was calling. And when USI called, he jumped to go back to USI, and again, there had been a groundswell of conversation at that time three years ago that, hey, it was sooner rather than later that the Screaming Eagles would make the jump to the Division One level. Well, now they have. They're in the Ohio Valley Conference, and um, they are solidly rooted. And frankly, they will be a powerhouse in that league, maybe even before they are eligible to play in the NCAA tournaments. They have three more years they have to wait after this one. But year one has been a lot more good than bad, and that normally isn't the case for teams that make the jump. And my friend Stan Gerard joins us at 145. And then after that, speaking of Mama Colin, I don't think in my years of doing radio, and, and again, it has now been, dear God, Jimmy, I'm old, 14 years since I did a full-time daily talk show. Man, man. Um, I don't think, I'm literally, if you're watching online, you see me like looking like this thought bubble that is like off to the left side of my head, camera right, as you're watching on the fans' Twitter account, YouTube, etc., um, that's me looking up like the Rolodex of my head. That's the look that I have on my face when I go, all right, computer, tell me when the last time was that this thing happened. Um, I, I don't think I've ever had a Lanesville coach on a radio talk show I have done before. I haven't had many, you know, instances or opportunities to do so. Well, we're going to have one today. If you are from Southern Indiana, as clearly I am, The Hinton family name is Coaching Royalty. Joe Hinton took Floyd Central to the 1971 and 1989 single-class Final Four. That 89 team, of course, had Pat Graham as Mr. Basketball, who would go on to play at Indiana University. The 1971 team had the coolest unofficial team nickname I have ever heard for a team. The Floyd Central team nickname was the Highlanders, but that team's nickname... The Super Hicks. Oh, it's awesome. Love that. Well, Joe's in the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, Angie has won a state title at New Albany with Kenitra Johnson. going to play at UConn. That was 24 years ago. Well, Angie was convinced to come to Lanesville five years ago because there was, there was this group of girls that were pretty talented. Lanesville had never won a girls basketball sectional in the over 40 years they had been playing girls basketball at the IHSA level, because the first girls basketball tournament didn't take place until 1976. Well, in the time that Angie has gotten there, Lanesville has won five consecutive sectionals. They were ousted in the regional each of the last four years. Last year lost the regional final by two to the eventual state champions in Tecumseh. And now Lanesville is on the precipice of making history for my neck of the woods and bringing a second state championship to my beloved hometown, for the and the other one being baseball from some six years ago. So Angie's going to be kind enough to join us, and we will talk all things Harrison County, Southern Indiana, and girls basketball coming up a little bit later on in the program. So that is the guest list. If that doesn't sound appeasing to you, JMV's on at 3 o'clock. If you like to hear those conversations... Sit back. I will do the heavy lifting on the show today. I'm going to have a good time with them because of that. I think you will as well. Now, obviously, in the downtime that we have 
um, around those conversations. There will be other topics that, that I will bring up and you can too. And again, the best way for us to interact, other than say the two o'clock hour, where that at that point I've got like 30 open minutes. Call the show 317-239-1070. But on Twitter at Greg Rakestraw, email Greg at 1070thefan.com. I always joke with folks, those of you that have my cell phone, that's the bat phone. You can text me anytime, I'll bring it up on the show. Uh, you know, no problem there. But obviously the Pacers are back in action tonight against the Celtics. You hear that right here on 93.5 and 107.5, the fan at 6.30. And we will talk Pacers tomorrow. Um, And I'll I'll talk about it now, but in terms of a guest, Jeremiah Johnson of Pacers TV will be joining us on the show tomorrow. Um, But obviously, you know, there's always this question of, do you strive for the playoffs? Well, do you tank? Well, you know, because of the order of business in the NBA, trade deadline, then the All-Star break, then this final push with, what, 22 games left to go for the Indiana Pacers, you know, that decision to me was made by the fact that you didn't give away pieces. You signed Miles Turner to an extension. I want this team to be a playoff team. I think we often confuse... At the NBA level, playing young guys equates to you are going to lose and hence then you get more draft picks and that's how you get better. I would, I'd clarify that and I'd specify that a little bit. I want the young guys to play. They have been playing, obviously, and Halliburton, Matherin, Nemhard, to, you know, Neesmith, to a lesser degree now, Stick Smith. But I want the young guys to have the experience. Even if you end up in the play-in game, even if you miss out on the top 10 completely, I want those guys to have that experience of going for a playoff push. So, um, important game for the Pacers tonight? I think they all are as you're trying to secure that playoff position. And while you know we kind of, kind of had that euphoric high for uh, the best example I can give you, and Again, I'm going to play off of Jimmy's age here. You've watched like the major league movies, right? Yes. Okay. Frankly, you could have stopped at one because two was bad and they got worse after that point in time. But remember the um, the constant dialogue like updating you through that season? These guys are blank. These guys maybe aren't so bad. Hey, they're pretty good. Okay? Yep. That was kind of the response that Pacers fans had. I think of like the groundskeeper, like like pounding at home plate. Or the concerns. These guys aren't so blankety blank bad. That was kind of my reaction. Hey, we're winning games. Obviously, that bloom came off the rose for whatever reason. When Halliburton got hurt, that was easy to explain. Even after he has come back, there's been these kind of nice moments, but it's not been consistent. And especially on the road, which kind of like a graveyard for that team um but now that you've got the break and especially when you've got so many young guys that are not used to playing that many minutes at this level i think the fresh legs even with a younger team is a big deal for this group i want this group to be all chips on the table going for it they've got three first round picks frankly they've got their young core i don't want to see them tank i want to see them win or I want to see them learn from their mistakes while they are trying to win. 
So Pacers Celtics tonight, 93.5107.5 The Fan. We can talk Pacers via social media or email. We'll talk more Pacers on the show tomorrow. Now for the variety of college coaches that we have on the program today, you will note it does not include Mike Woodson. It does not include Matt Painter. Matt was on with JMB yesterday, and as always, he was fantastic. If Matt or Mike are listening and want to call the show, we can move some stuff around for you. If we need to, we'd like to have you. And for as great as IU and Purdue, both being ranked, both being relevant, and I'd say at worst, two of the top three teams in the Big Ten, I think that's fair, right? IU, Purdue, Northwestern, we'd say, the top three in the Big Ten this year. Who saw that one coming, by the way, but just kind of the way that that things have worked out. For as big of a deal as Saturday's game will be, because IU beat Purdue in Bloomington, and now Purdue is waiting for IU in West Lafayette, like, you don't need much to explain the significance of Indiana-Purdue and both teams are ranked, okay? I'll do the media thing and talk out of both sides of my mouth. At the same time, because they're ranked, because we know Purdue's going to be a one or two seed, we feel pretty confident Indiana's a four or a five seed, Maybe on the high end, they get on a roll and don't lose again. Maybe they're a three. On the low end, they're a six. But we both know they're in. To me, it actually kind of takes some of the some of the juice out of the game on Saturday. Now, listen, it's going to be great. I'm not saying for you to sell your ticket or not, you know, reserve time on your couch to watch the game. But let's face it, for different reasons. If you're an IU fan or a Purdue fan, what are you really concerned about? Probably not Saturday. Probably not the Big Ten tournament. It is, does my team get to the second weekend? Does my team get to the final four? That's what, that's what to me, fires me up right now about the Hoosiers or the Boilermakers. But when time allows, we can certainly talk about those topics with you as well. But for a lot of the coaches that we have on today, we're talking about great, great regular seasons, and now what happens as the calendar flips from February to March. I have obviously not mentioned a word about the Colts at this point. Shane Steichen is the head coach. I don't think Bubba Ventrone is going to be the special teams coordinator. And more coaching news will continue to filter through today and tomorrow. Obviously, I have a rather prominent broadcast role with the Indianapolis Colts. You want to talk horseshoes? That is always open season with me. Again, at Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. Greg at 1070thefan.com. Interact with me on the YouTube chat. I will do that during the break. Our coaches corner, it's a pretty big corner today, with six of them joining the show, starts next. Josh Shirts, Indiana State. It's Greg Rakestraw. Jimmy Cook along for the ride, too. It is the Fan Midday Show, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. If you weren't with us in the last segment of the show, this is the Indiana State University fight song. If you were with us, you could probably put two and two together. When I tell you that Josh Schertz is about to join the program, Mr. Cook, I want to make sure I give the proper sponsor attribution. Do we have a guest line attribution? We don't. It's like a Sesame Street. It's like brought to you by a certain letter. The letters IS and U are sponsoring the guest line today. Josh Schertz, I hope he's in an okay mood. I understand if he wouldn't be after a tough loss in Nashville last night, but still kind enough to join us here. Coach, it's Greg Rakestraw. How you doing this afternoon? Hey, Greg. Appreciate you having me on. I, I, obviously, this was uh, – I hoped it was going to be a double you that you had had last night. I know you felt, you know, that one kind of got away from you. What do you learn from that one and apply to Missouri State, Arch Madness, and, and whatever else comes after that? 
Well, we've had some, you know, it was it was obviously a, a you know brutal loss. Um, you know, those are those are gut punches. Um, we were up 17 at half. I think you know we had to come in, played a really good team in Belmont. You know, on the road where they'd lost, I think once at home all year. Uh, their senior night, and we're without our best player. You know, Cam Henry had to miss the game in concussion protocol, and um, played about as well as he could the first half. Got up 17, and then. Credit Belmont, you know, it's a game of runs. We knew they were going to respond. They came out and I thought were terrific in the second half. We weren't quite as good. We got it back to uh, an 11-point game with about five and a half to go. And, you know, down the stretch, um, I thought, you know, offensively we kind of played. There's a big difference in playing to win and playing not to lose. And I thought, you know, down the stretch, offensively we played not to lose. And on the defensive end, uh, I thought, you know, some, some missed box outs, some fouls, and we got called for a, a really tough foul uh, up one with about two seconds left with a guy uh, 20 feet from the basket with his back to the basket. And, um, you know, uh, but we put ourselves in that position, and um, we got to learn from it. Um, you know, the, the way we've lost this year, uh, we, we've lost now 10 times, and, you know, our last, our last, you know, we've had a number of these where it's come down to the final, you know, five seconds and, and had to make a play and just haven't been able to. And so, um, you know, the, we've been resilient. We've shown that. We picked ourselves back off the map, but we got to be, uh, we got to be cleaner and tighter and more together uh, in those closing stretches to get over the hump. If I had told you before the season started, you would at minimum have 20 wins. What will your response have been? Well, I think, you know, look, 20 wins in, in college basketball, uh, you know, the way the amount of games we have, it means you had a great season, uh, whatever happens from there. But it's like I, I told the guys, um, you know, you can't have a special season unless you perform when it matters most. And, uh, you know, that's, that's you know, for us, the postseason. And, um, you know, for every team, really, in every sport. And so um, I would say, you know, look, that means we had a great year. And uh, but, but, you know, you always want to, you know, you always want more. And um, you got to. As long as you have, you know, games in front of you and you got time to play, uh, you got to be locked in. Your best moments are ahead of you, not behind you. And I think, I really believe with this group, our best moments are in front of us. Um, you know, we, we got a really good basketball team. We, we've lost some tough games, but you know, 20 and 10 dealt a lot of adversity. Um, and uh, and we still, like I said, got a home game Missouri State, St. Louis, and then you know, obviously postseason of some sort. But, uh, but you know, we wanted to be in the big dance, of course. When you have the success at Lincoln Memorial that you did for as long as you did, did you ever get to a point where you thought, I'm not sure I'm going to get a, a Division One offer? I guess just go back a couple of years, if, if you don't mind for me. And, and just, I, I think more guys like you are now getting a shot at the Division One level. But was that kind of tough to take, you know, for a little while? Well, yeah, I think, you know, it was kind of twofold. There was obviously, um, you know, I don't want to make it like uh, people were beating down my door because that would be a complete lie. But, um, <laughs> but you know, I had, I had a few chances to go Division One as a head coach, and, and I didn't do them. And uh, I really, you know, the, the last one that I turned down, I kind of, my wife and I talked about it. I was like, you know, I'm probably, you know, this is probably, I'm probably going to finish my career at Lincoln Memorial. And, and, you know, I was, I was really happy. Um, you know, I was in a great situation. I was at a place where, you know, basketball was, was a huge priority. The school was incredibly supported. Uh, I was empowered every day. Uh, I made, you know, great money at that level, really very similar to what I'm making financially at Indiana State. Um, and, and I had a, what it equated to a lifetime contract. 
so it wasn't going to be – I wasn't going to leave for just anything. I had kind of – when I took over Lincoln Memorial, we were coming off seven straight 20-loss seasons. Mm. Um, we had never been in the NCAA tournament. We had never, um, you know, never been nationally ranked, all that stuff. So it was kind of like uh, you pour your heart and soul into something. And I'll say this, walking in there and, and telling those guys I was leaving uh, was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. But certainly um, – you know, the jobs that I would have left for or, or consider leaving for, I wasn't getting that opportunity. And that's ultimately, um, you know, the, the oppor- at the end of the day, it was the opportunity to come to Missouri Valley. That was probably the biggest reason that I wound up, uh, you know, leaving LMU. It was the opportunity to coach in this league, a league that I had incredible respect for and was, a, to me, a, a, you know, a, a rare jump for a guy from the Division Two level to go to a conference like the Missouri Valley. Well, it's not just you making the jump because a good number of your guys have spent time playing at the Division II level. Now you got a couple of Truman kids on the team. I know I can get a Tusculum kid on the team. And obviously, Gavassier McCauley, and literally as I'm sitting on Monument Circle, if I like crane my neck the right way, I can like see Manuel High School from here where he played locally right. before he then played for a couple of years at, at LMU for you. I guess just now kind of the process of how you have put this team together and a lot of them from Division II backgrounds to be so successful in the valley so quickly yeah you know i I, when i when i came up you know we we uh i inherited a situation and obviously uh you know i i replaced a guy that had been you know very successful uh in greg lansing and um and and when i when i got here um you know it was obviously i i was coaching we went all the way to the final four so when i got to indiana state it was april and when you have a coaching change that's going to be difficult on everybody and it doesn't matter if the guy was unsuccessful successful but you know obviously coach Lansing very successful um he leaves and 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 there's when I got here there was two players on the roster and that was uh Julian Larry and Nick Hittle and then we had a bunch of guys in the portal and we had a couple guys in Jake LaRavia Trey Williams had already committed other places um and that was their right I mean you know there's a coaching change that's just natural um to have happen and um and so uh we were kind of piecing the roster together from scratch it was still COVID restrictions so we couldn't go recruiting uh nobody could visit us we couldn't go anywhere everything was done virtually and online and I felt like um with at least the LMU guys I knew what I was getting right and I also felt like they understood our style of play which is pretty unique for college basketball and they understood the culture we wanted to build I mean obviously you can't transpose culture you know we're building culture at Indiana State. That doesn't mean they didn't have a good culture before. It's just different. So you're starting from scratch. So we're building that culture, the culture I want at ISU as we go. But they would help bring some of that LMU culture to Indiana State. Um, and, and it's obviously worked out. I mean, I didn't know how um, effective it would be level to level because I didn't have a great gauge of the Missouri Valley. you got to go through it and, and feel it to, to, to know. But after my first year, I really felt like – it had to be the right players, like the right Division II players could make the jump to Indiana State and be successful. And then I also felt like going through it the same way at, at LMU. I was in a very small town of 4,000 people in kind of a remote rural area. Um, Indiana State's going to be a place you're going to win uh, with low maintenance schedule. We can't do it the way some of the schools in the Valley do and get a bunch of you know, Power 5 transfers and, and load up like that. Um, you've got to do it with guys that fit your culture. And, and it's a place, I mean, I'm a pretty low-maintenance coach, and, and, and you're going to need low-maintenance players. 
that are going to really appreciate and thrive in that kind of uh, environment. Made a reference to the local kid in Cavassier McCauley, he being your leading scorer. Another local kid, one of your top players in Cooper Neeson. And, and again, in this unique yeah. time we live in with transfer rules, more liberal redshirt rules, and the COVID-free pass year, let's face it, there are some old dudes playing college basketball right now. Cooper is, is in his sixth year after being at Cloverdale and is still getting it done for you. What has he meant to your team this year, Coach? Uh, he's been he's been incredible. You know, Coop is, um, you know, I, he came in and, and uh, he could have left after last year. You know, he averaged 15 one year of eligibility. He graduated. Um, so he could have obviously transferred up and gone pretty much, not wherever he wanted, but certainly gone uh, up levels and played a power five for his last year. And uh, his whole thing was, man, I, I want to come back. I want to, you know, I've done a lot in the state. You know, the one thing I haven't done is, you know, compete and, and win a Missouri Valley championship, play in the postseason, you know what I mean? Win 20 games. I want to do these things. And and I always think there's, you know, in sports, there's three kinds of guys. You know, there's guys who, you know, really don't care about winning. They just care about stats. There's guys who want to win, but they want to get theirs while you win, but they do care about winning. And there's guys who just care about winning, and that's all they're worried about. And Coop, as, as my time with him, you know, all he cares about is winning because I taught him about, hey, we're going to have to, you know, we're going we're gonna to have to renovate this roster after that last year. You know, we lost 20 games last year, and, and we had to renovate it. I said, you know, you're going to have probably a lesser role. Um, you know, you're going to probably get less minutes, less shots. Less, and he was – he is, and he has lived up to everything he told me he was going to do. And I have so much respect for him. You know, he came back when I took the job, as we talked about, um, that transition was hard on a lot of players. He didn't have to, to believe in me or buy into that. And after we lost, I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to win. I'm going to go to a Power Five and leave this behind. Uh, he was the first guy to recommit to coming back for uh, the 22-23 season. And he's been just a huge part of, of, of us having success. And he does a lot of things that don't necessarily show up in the box score but that are incredibly valuable for our basketball team and the success we've had at this point and moving forward. The Trees are one of four, or actually five, 20-win teams in the Valley this year. They are 13-6. and six. They know they will be the three, four, or five seed when Arch Madness for them will tip off next Friday. Coach, thanks for the time after a tough one last night. Appreciate it. Good luck against Missouri State on Sunday and the rest of the way. Thanks for having me on, Greg. Appreciate it. I hope to talk to you again here at the end of the year. You got it, buddy. Again, Josh Schertz, head coach of Indiana State. I had the pleasure of going over and doing an Indiana State basketball game Thanksgiving weekend. They are fun to watch. They shoot a lot of threes. They space the floor. And my friends in the coaching business, like the ultimate compliment one coach will give another is, man, they run some good stuff. That is a common refrain about Indiana State. And they got some good kids over there, too. And again, their conference tournament run will start next Friday in St. Louis. From Terre Haute to New Orleans we go. That'd be my man Ron Hunter. He joins us next. It's Greg Rakestraw here on the Fan Midday Show. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Now, I see I've got a pretty good handle on the fight song from the state of Indiana. I've heard them in arenas, gymnasiums, etc. I can't say that I'm an expert on really anything Tulane. But because of growing up as a UofL fan, like I can give you some Metro Conference stats from like the 80s. I know their football team was really good, but I know that one of my closest friends has been their men's basketball coach for the last four years. And thankfully, his team is good. So I got an excuse to get him on this here radio show. Ron Hunter and I have been having conversations like this for way too long at this point. How are you, my friend? 
Man, it is absolutely great to hear your voice right now, and uh, especially after you know we we we, we uh, played for a championship last night and got beat. So no better way to to make my day better to speak to my man Greg Rickshaw. So I will try to avoid talking about Houston for at least two or three questions uh, as best That's I can. Good. That's good. I, so, I, thank you. I appreciate that one. <laughs> so, so 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 let's start with this that ages both of us. How are your grandkids doing? Man, they're doing great, absolutely great, and uh, uh, got to you know spend a lot of time with them. I go back and forth to Atlanta a lot, but uh, uh, it's uh, it's fun being a grandparent. I know that I'm enjoying it, but I will tell you this, Greg, I will not be coaching my grandson in college. I will be that. I will be retired before he gets to even high school or anything like that. <laughs> I will believe that when I see it. Uh, as far as you retiring, uh, and I have lost track of RJ. What's he doing these days? RJ is doing great. He was playing in uh, in Australia and uh, tore his knee up a little mm-hmm. bit, but he's back recovering and uh, doing healthy right now and still playing professionally, so doing really well. All right, so much as your team is, even after a tough loss last night, Houston got the green way, but Houston's number two in the country for a reason. But in year number four, you're at 17 wins. It's the most that Tulane has had in the last nine years. Why, why have things kind of clicked for your team here in year number four? Well, you know, I always, you know, year three and you four on a job, I always think that's when, you know, when things can turn. We took over the job and they were 0-18 in the league and really struggling, kind of like Georgia State and kind of like a little bit, you know, IEPY. We took the same formula that I had when I was in uh, Indianapolis at IEPY and and uh, things are just working for us. We've got really good players. I've got a great staff. And when you have all those things, man, it just, uh, they all make me look good and we win games and we have a lot of fun. But, uh, you know, when I took this job, everyone said that you, you don't take this job as a dead-end job, and here we are sitting in second place in one of the hardest uh, conferences in the country. There must be something about you coaching in small venues that appeals to you, uh, because Fogelman, as I still know it, um, it, isn't the IUPUI gymnasium, but it's not far off from it. That is a small place that you got in the American Athletic Conference there. Yeah, you know, it's one of the hardest places now to play in the country. We uh, we, we play really well in there. We pack that place, and uh, I don't know. You know me, man. I just uh, I like urban institutions. I'm back in the city. I love uh, kind of that underdog role, and uh, and more importantly, I love you know turning programs around. And uh, but it all started. I learned how to do all that, man, in Indianapolis in that small gym and uh, uh, at, on IUPUI campus. Seventeen wins. Um, what what does the postseason path look for you guys like at this point? I know you've got. I think four more league games to play and then obviously the conference tournament over in Fort Worth. What is the path to a to a NCAA, NIT, et cetera, look like for you and your team? Well, you know, what we want to do is that, you know, the what you know, a couple of years ago, I thought when I took over this, I said at some point we've got to be relevant in March, and that's what we are right now. Yep. It's the first time that people are talking about what we're doing in March, and uh, so right now, you know, again, you know, you know, we, we're going to be good in the conference tournament. We just want to keep winning. You know, if we got an opportunity to at least play seven more games with uh, with the four we got and the three that you would play, we were already secured a buy in in, in our conference tournament, and so if uh, you know, run, run the table, go seven and zero, and see what happens. And well, if you go seven and zero, we're playing in the NCAA tournament. You know, right? Because <laughs> you won your, you won the tournament, but uh, uh, but more importantly, man, I just want these kids to you know to to enjoy, to have fun. You know, you know, winning's back at Tulane with what our football team's done this year, what we're doing, and so uh, you know, we're a player in March, and that's what we want to be. Um, no need to recap a thirty point loss, but let's talk about the team you played because obviously Kelvin's team is really really good. What makes them one of the best teams in the country? 
man, they're, they're, as you said, they're 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 good. They're great defensively. Uh, uh, they just they, they they they've got it covered at all spots. They've got three first round draft picks on the team. I mean, Kelvin's just done a great job, man. The guy can flat out coach, and, uh, you know. And so they're they're uh, you know they're they're the standard in our league to try to catch. But uh, they're leaving. This is the last time we'll play them. Sure. They're leaving our league and going to the Big Twelve. And so I'm going to help on the moving van and all that to get them out here. And <laughs> I told Kelvin last night, whatever he needs, I'll take a weekend off and help him move, man. Because uh, uh, they've been great for our league. But I'm 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 I'm, I'm excited to see them lead now. <laughs> Because so, they, they've done a great – they're going to be a hard team to beat in this NCAA tournament, man, just because of how they defend. All right, let's talk about home for a second. Home meaning here. Obviously, you have watched since 2011. You, you played here to kind of open up the building in terms of IUPUI playing at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum. Because of our relationship, the two of us, Matt Crenshaw and, and, and all of that stuff, I know you've got your finger on the pulse as to what's going on here. They are better this year than last I know you're still disappointed in the struggles this program has had. Just your observation on on what Matt's doing in year number two. Well, I think he's doing a much better job. I mean, the, the, you know, the, the the program had fallen on hard times, and I think that now you've got to show a little patience and just get better. You got to find, uh, you got to have win little battles. Last time I talked to Matt, that's what I talked about. You know, it's just like when you're, you know, last night you're down big in a game. You just keep fighting, keep fighting, try to get better every possession, every day, uh, and the outcomes will take care of itself. I think Matt's going to be a, a really good head coach, and uh, you know, it's funny because that's, there's only a couple of programs I follow around in the country, and IUPUI has been one of them since I left there that's that that's uh that's my heart that means a lot to me and i want that program to succeed and so uh, uh again i i'm really pulling from that and i'm glad they're doing better you can look at their scores and some of those things but you know patience is going patience is something they need right now you know they don't need changes they need patience and and just kind of come together and try to win games there uh i have been told that you are heading back this way for a game at some point in time is that accurate I'm trying to. I'm trying to get back that way, and uh, uh, we got some things working. And uh, people know how much I love Indianapolis. I have a lot of friends there, and uh, uh, would love to bring my team back that way. And so um, uh, we, we got a couple things working with that. So hopefully it'll it'll pan itself out. But uh, again, I would love to come back to Indianapolis. All right, we started the conversation We're talking about grandkids. Here's the other thing that'll end the conversation in ages two. Can you believe George Hills in his 15th NBA season? That's unbelievable. That's absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. I, I, when I saw that the other day, uh, I, I almost had a tear in my eye because that means I'm really old. <laughs> Not George, but me. <laughs> I am really old. But, I'm, I'm, you know, God, I'm so proud of him. Every time I turn the television on and watch him, I'm, I'm really proud of him and, and, and what he's done and the man he's become and uh, just so happy for him. Well, I'm so happy for you. I know your goal wasn't to win 17 games at Tulane. It is more. But obviously, this has been a breakthrough year for you and just as you were successful at IUPUI and Georgia State, I knew you'd be successful here as well. My friend, best of luck the rest of the season, and don't be a stranger. We'll talk soon, okay? All right, buddy. Tell your family I said hello, and all our friends in uh, Indy, we say hello. But uh, miss you, my man. You got it, buddy. Take care. We'll talk soon. Ron Hunter, head coach, almost at IUPUI Jaguars, like muscle memory. Uh, Tulane Green Wave. Yeah, Houston got him last night by 30, but Houston's doing that to a lot of people. And before we get to break, I know Michael Lewis is coming up next. Now that George Hill is back for a second stint with the Indiana Pacers, I will share this with you. 14 years ago, as I'm watching NBA games and George is playing as a rookie for the Spurs, I'm just sitting there laughing. I'm laughing. I'm like, I can't believe the kid that I would go on bus trips to Cedar City, Utah, and Macomb, Illinois, and Brookings, South Dakota, just scored on Kevin Garnett. And 14 years later, 
I'm still talking about him playing in the NBA. For as high of expectations I had for George at IUPUI and after the fact that he's played 15 years in the NBA and probably plays for more after that, again, has exceeded my wildest dreams on that front, and I will always be rooting for him. Michael Lewis, head coach, Ball State Cardinals, comes your way next. This is just a big old coaches show today, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. This is kind of like a Saturday morning tailgate show. It's just fight song after fight song. Jimmy clearly has landed on a theme. We have head coach of said institution on. We play their fight song to welcome it in. Michael Lewis, have you learned the words of the Ball State fight song yet? Yes, just don't ask me to, to sing it. <laughs> it is good to talk to you. I see your brother and your dad all the time. It is good to have you on the phone lines. I know how you're doing. You just beat the best team in the league, and you've won 20 games. Just your thoughts on where you stand here towards the tail end of season number one. Well, I think, uh, you know, obviously really proud of, of – you know what these guys have achieved i've appreciated their effort and their openness you know since since our staff uh you know walked in here uh, a little less than you know a year ago and and they've uh it's been a a a really fun and very rewarding journey uh with these guys as they've learned how to win and learned how to handle success and then now the, the challenge is is um you know doing that every day and the things that go along with that and, and uh, being a part of a winning program. So it's it's been a lot of fun to, to work with these guys, and, and uh, I hope we got a little bit more left in the tank. I see a lot of guys like Coleman, Sparks, Wyndham, Bumbleo. I know they have been long-term guys in your program. You didn't really – you kept, largely kept your group intact from the previous coaching staff, correct? Yeah, we had, you know, um, Bashir Jihad, Jalen Sellers, and Peyton Sparks were all in the transfer portal, um, you know, when we when we got here. And we were able to, to get those guys out of out of the transfer portal and continue to be a part of our program. We've added some pieces. Um, some other guys were were already here and and uh, those guys have really come together. And like I said, they've been they've been open to, to what we've been trying to do and, and trying to accomplish. And, um, you know, change is difficult uh, for anybody, especially young people that, that maybe not quite equipped to handle all those things and and uh they've been they've been great and that's that's why they're having the type of season that they're having that um you know really hasn't happened here in muncie in, in a long time obviously you grew up with a basketball in your hand and played at such a high level you have been on a college bench i want to say for basically the last 15 to 20 years what's it been like to kind of slide that one seat over what's been the biggest adjustment for you well, there's, I mean, there's a lot of adjustments, I th- but I think, you know, the one thing I've, I've been around some, some really special people um, that I've been able to learn from and, and you learn, you know, right away that, that this isn't, this, this thing's not about you, you know, and, um, you know, the thing I like about uh, the staff that we have here is we've all, we've all had our own journey. We've all had our own experiences um, as players in college. Um, we all have a really high value of, of what our experience was and, and how we feel about it. And we want the guys that we're able to work with on a daily basis uh, feel the same way about their experience here at Ball State that, that we do about ours. And, you know, it's about using a game. Like, we're very fortunate we get to use a game to try to teach these guys some how to be successful in life and, and uh, try to give them a foundation to be um, successful when they leave here and, and in the, 
while we're doing that and try to win a few basketball games, and those guys have done exactly that. What has it been like for you and the family to move from Los Angeles to Muncie? Now, Muncie is kind of the Los Angeles of Delaware County. Uh, <laughs> how I, I, I know how, I know your mom and dad have moved up here. I know, obviously, Brian is, is not far away, too. So I know that's been great to be close to everybody in the family. That's still a culture shock for some folks. What's that been like? Well, it's, it's uh, you know, my... My kids, they we all spent three years out there, and you know they're they're younger, so they've they've bounced around. It, it's a little bit more comfortable for my wife to move uh, from L.A. to Muncie than it was taking her to L.A. You know, sure. And, um, it was a fantastic experience. You know, I was in you know involved with the basketball on a daily basis. Um, you know, and, and an unbelievable experience at UCLA. Uh, my wife and daughters, they had to they had to live the daily life of um, you know getting to volleyball practices and getting to school and all the things that it, that it takes. And it's it's a little bit different to navigate Los Angeles than it is uh, Muncie. <laughs> so, um, you know, the, the transition has been great. The community here has been uh, very open and, and welcoming and um, very, made, the, made the transition, you know, very seamless. Yeah, Miguel, your times 50 uh, would be the way to describe that in, in terms of uh, Los Angeles traffic. Um, th- this is the case with every team where there's guys that are 23, 24, 25, uh, just kind of the nature of, of the way life has been these last few years. Jaron Coleman's a kid that strikes me as he's been playing, you know, high school or college basketball for like the last 20 years. What, what, what has he meant to your team this year? Well, he's meant a ton. You know, I think he's, he's got a lot of experience. Um, he's a good player. He's got a very high basketball IQ. Um, you know, his, his leadership skills are growing. Um, you know, he's, he's a part of a winning team and learning how to do that and the responsibilities of being a part of that on a daily basis. And, you know, I've told him there's two guys in this program that can't have bad days and it's me and him, (laughs) you know, we can't, we can't have off days. And, and so, you know, that's a challenge for, for anybody. I'm 45 and it's a challenge let alone for somebody, you know, his age to to do it. Um, But you, you look at, you know, you're talking about, you know, teams being older, you look at our league, and you've got you've got Toledo, Kent State, Ball State, and Akron at the top of the league, and there's not one freshman that's making an impact on any one of those teams. And it's yeah. just that's just the you know the way college basketball is. And and um, you know so we we feel very fortunate that you know you know while we've added some pieces, uh, Boogie being one of them, and older, um, you know I would still consider that we got four sophomores in in our top six. So um, you know I think we've got a pretty good mix. On the flip side now, and again, I, I, you know, last time you and I saw each other in person, as soon as you got the job, you were at the state finals like the next day uh, a year ago at, at the end of March and saying, hey, we're here, Ball State's here, let's go find some pieces. But at the same time, what you just talked about, you're not recruiting freshmen the way that you used to. So now, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, what does that look like for you? Just how drastically has that changed because of the portal, because of COVID, et cetera? Well, I think you got to have a good mix. You know, I I, I don't want to. You know, I think you got to have some some guys that are in your program that understand. Um, you know, where you, where you can you can build the relationship and the player development and those things, and then you know you can use the the portal for you know to, to plug holes. But um, you know, we got to be able to figure out the portal, navigate it for what's best for Ball State, and, and try to put the best roster we possibly can out there year in and year out. And um, you know, it's a, it's a tougher time for freshmen to come in and make an impact. And so you've got to be able to, you know, you've got to you. I believe you just in recruiting, you're you're as honest and transparent as you possibly can, so they understand what the expectations are. Um, you know, where, you know, Hey, like this is, if you want to be a part of a winning program, um, you know, the, the, 
25, 30 minutes a game may not be there as a freshman. Um, but but you're going to be on a good team. Like, what do you really want to be a part of? What do you value? And I just I just think in recruiting, whether you're recruiting a transfer or a high school kid, you're just very open and honest with with what the expectations should be. One more individual I ask you about is Peyton Sparks, and, and Peyton was part of this ridiculously deep high school class two years ago, where he's six nine and two forty, and seemingly didn't get a sniff of the all-star team because there were kids that played at major colleges that, that didn't get a sniff of that all-star team. But he, he is a difference. And because of you know the physical traits he's got, you know, he's got a chance to do things after the college level. What's the development you've seen from him in, in your first year with him? Well, he, he's on our all-star all team. Of course. That's, that's really all that, you know, I, I kind of go the Matt Painter school on that one. <laughs> you know, he's, he's our five-star. Right. right? And, and um, you know, he, he's, he's, First of all, he's an outstanding human being. He's exactly the type of kid that you want in your program. He's a type of individual that you want to, with his age, being just a sophomore, you want to kind of build your program around. And, um, you know, he's he's everything you want, you know, from, from that standpoint. I think his overall development, you know, he's, he's shooting a higher field goal percentage this year. His free throw percentage is, is, is a little bit lower, but that's, you know, he's, he's working through that. But, um, you know, he demands so much attention. Uh, from the other team they have to game plan for him and and our, the other guys on our team I don't think would be having the years that they're having if we didn't have Peyton Sparks and uh, his efficiency rate is up um, you know the things that he's doing to contribute to winning um, are much higher and and uh, he's a huge part of what we're trying to do here all right you got Eastern Michigan coming up on Saturday up in Ypsilanti uh, I heard that Bates kid is pretty good well, he he was the last time we played. He got thirty five on us, and there wasn't much we could do. And and um, you and know, he was hit, he's hitting some ridiculous shots. He's a talented kid. You know, he's a talented kid. They've got three really good perimeter players um, that are all capable of having nights like that. You just got to try to make them as inefficient as possible. And and um, you know, we just got to go up there and compete. It's a, it's the end of February. We're playing in meaningful games. Um, you know, we've we've beaten you know the three teams that are ahead of us in the rankings. I think we can go into Cleveland. Um, you know, excited about our opportunities and have a realistic shot at competing for a bid. And final thing before we let you go, and and you touched on this briefly, I just wanted to make sure I doubled back to it. You know, part of the reason why you were brought in uh, was obviously to A, win games, but B, bring back a buzz about Ball State basketball. What has the crowd and community response been like for your games at Worthen this year, knowing you got an awful big one coming up next Friday against the team that's currently in first place in the Rockets of Toledo? Well, it just it keeps growing, and that's that's been a pretty cool thing to to watch. You know, I think, you know, when we took this job, like we we took it to win basketball games here at Ball State, but we also, um, you know, want to make a much bigger impact. And there's a lot of really good things um, going on on this campus. Uh, we got outstanding faculty. We got unbelievable students that are doing some crazy good things. And you know, if our basketball program can create a little bit of buzz where people pay a little bit more attention uh, to our university, maybe that opens some doors for for everybody. And so that's been that's been a cool thing. You know, you start getting, you know, Indianapolis media up here paying attention. You get the crowds are growing, just a, a buzz really not only in this area but across the state about Ball State basketball, I think, can, can lead to much bigger things for our university. Did you see the suit that Brian had on on the pairing show on Sunday? I try, I try not to. He, <laughs> he, he still wants his wife dressing. Um, <laughs> she, we may need to work on that. He was wearing his Jasper suit. 
and it was predominantly gold slash. It was kind of a gold tan kind of mix with like the black shirt. So like, I mean, th- this was like Jasper made the state finals, and that's the suit that he would have been rocking. Well, he, you know, he got he got some bad jeans. He's got some. He is a little colorblind, so you got to help him out a little bit. Okay, I was going to talk about the hair because I can't make fun of you, he or Denny, because uh, I'm. Oh, hey. I'm Hey, we're just smart. This is easy upkeep, man. Easy upkeep. Uh, uh, Charles Barkley had a line about, you know, the war's overtime to send the soldiers home. I think about that every time I look in the mirror uh, at, at this go. point in time. Buddy, I'm, I'm happy that you're back home. I'm happy the family is closer together, and I'm happy you've been so successful in year number one. Thanks for the time today, and, and, and look forward to seeing you in person again real soon. I appreciate it, Greg. Thank you. You got it. Michael Lewis, again, on the Your Name Here hotline. I would imagine we'll probably sell, you know, the hotline when there's actually like a host name for this program. And if you want to, you know, have the substitute teacher hotline, feel free. I'm sure there are wonderful sales folks here on staff that would talk to you. Now, like I said, you know, it's primarily going to be interviews today. However, this is one of the windows. If there's something you want to talk about, now is the time. You got about 10 minutes for your telephone calls if you'd like. 317 two three nine ten seventy uh you can tweet to me at greg rakestraw you can email the show too if you like greg at 1070 the com. been doing some interacting with the folks on youtube um let me simply go to some of the tweets um had one tweet asking about the girls basketball state finals uh on um on saturday asking about the 4a game Greg, does BNL have a chance on Saturday? Absolutely, they do. Bedford North Lawrence is playing Fishers in the 4A game. Um, obviously, Fishers, a very good team, but the team that people thought was going to come from the North, South Bend, Washington, did not. That was in part because their star player, Namaya Reynolds, or one of their star players, hurt her foot in the last game of the year, done for the season, made them a different team. Lake Central beat them, then Fisher turned on and beat Lake Central. I've seen both Fishers and BNL, and they play very similar styles. Um, they are absolutely in your jersey defensively. They largely play positionless basketball. Um, I think I think the 4A game is going to be a fantastic game. So for the person that was listening and tweeting to me from Bedford, I assume, asking if his stars had a chance, yes, they do. Should be a fantastic game. From Sam. Hey, Greg Rakestraw, thanks for the Indiana State and Ball State love today. Sam, you are welcome. And again, when I sit in this chair, when I do this, oh, once a month or so, I know there are certain issues like, hey, these are the topics of the day that I want to talk about, but I'm also like, I also want to, you know, get my friends on that I'm going to have what I think is, an, I hope, is an interesting conversation, but also conversations that are interesting to you. Um, when I used to have an office down the hall and in theory was in charge of this radio station, um, there, there was a great line from one of the people that worked above me that said, it's a lot more, it's a lot better radio if you take interesting people and put them on the radio than try to make radio people interesting. And so it sticks with me. And I'm like, if I'm interested in the conversation and I think it's a good conversation, I hope that translates to you thinking it is a good conversation. Uh, from Alex, fun fact. Ron Hunter's wife at the time, not sure if they're still married, was my first grade art teacher. Uh, Yes, uh, Ron and Amy have been married for quite some time, and I will sure to pass along the fact that, Alex, that you said hello. And from Joe, one of my Southern Indiana friends uh, that is chiming in, great to hear you on the air today or on the internet in my case. Yes, you can always listen online at 1075thefan.com. Now, Robert wants to talk about a specific subject and i may have some really good news for robert 
coming up um, at the end of our phone call. Hello, Robert. How are you? All right, and you? I'm good, sir. What do you have for us? Uh, I just wanted to know how many more points does Antoine Davis need for the record? Uh-oh. I'm sure Robert is still talking. When you're the substitute teacher, as I'm talking off microphone, you don't bring in your own headphones. Sometimes the headphones, like, don't function properly. And, like, in the middle of what Robert was saying, the headphones fell out of the jack. Robert, I assume your question was, is that how many points away is Antoine Davis from catching Pete Maravich, correct? Yes, sir. I think it's 124. He is guaranteed to have two more games left to go. He could have as many as four more games in the conference tournament, and then it could be NCAA tournament. Uh, Wouldn't be NIT, I don't think, for that group. Um, but it could be – I could see one of those smaller tournaments having him just to draw attention to give him a chance for the record. Any any opinion on the subject or just a question you were asking? Uh, just a question. All right, thank, Robert, thank you. thank you. And so the reason I said Robert may find this interesting, and for those of you that don't know, Antoine Davis is the son of Mike Davis, as in the former Indiana coach that led them to the – 2002 national championship game for 75 percent of you're like duh people know who he is well some may not Antoine has played for his dad Mike at Detroit Mercy for the last five years Antoine is now 120 something points away from catching Pistol Pete Maravich who in three years at LSU scored like 3600 career like 36 37 somewhere in that neighborhood I have been fortunate enough to be on the call of two of what I think are Antoine six or seven 40-plus point games in his career. Maybe unfortunate since IUPUI lost both those games. Uh, Jaguars played Detroit Mercy at some point in mid-January, like on one of those Saturdays, like the 14th or 21st, and he had 42 in that game. Three years ago, the last game of the regular season, he had 43. The reason I said for Robert, it's fortunate you called and asked about Antoine Davis. Antoine's going to be on the show tomorrow at 1.30. Because, again, of things that are interesting to me, the fact that someone has a chance to break a record that has been standing for 53 years catches my attention. There are a couple of obvious asterisks that have to be put on the record or brought up into the conversation. And I will ask Antoine this when he is on the show tomorrow. But Pistol Pete, no freshman eligibility. He played for three years. Pistol Pete did not have a three-point shot. Antoine Davis, because of COVID, has basically played five years. Now, because of injuries, game canceled, etc., he's really played about four and a half years. And yes, he has taken advantage of the three-point shot. A friend of mine in the Facebook group did a good job, though, of pointing out, hey, listen, if you look at the stats, like Antoine's averaging like half the number of shots that Pistol Pete did on a per-game basis, where there literally was no such thing as a bad shot playing for his dad press at LSU at the time. The fact that somebody is, even in the conversation with Pete, I think is jaw-dropping. The fact that the game that Antoine became the second leading scorer in Division One slash NCAA history, I got to be on the call of, pretty remarkable to me. The guy that he passed, I think is Freeman Williams, if I remember the name right, played at Portland State in the 70s. In other words, no one scored more points in the last 44 years than Antoine Davis. And he has a legitimate shot 
with a guarantee of two games left to go and potentially more to catch Pistol Pete. So it's, it's almost like, and, and again, it's it's at a smaller level in terms of where, De, where Detroit Mercy has played. Um, but it's, it's kind of like the argument of when Walter Payton passed Jim Brown or when Emmett Smith passed um, Walter Payton. In other words, like, if, you, if I asked you whom the greatest running back in NFL history was, for as good as Emmett Smith was, you're probably not going to say Emmett Smith, right? Depending on your age, you're probably going to say Walter Payton or Jim Brown. I don't think there's a wrong answer, by the way, of those two. So if I asked you whom the greatest score in college basketball history would be, if you said Pete Maravich, I'd probably say you're right, even if Antoine Davis catches him. But it's still remarkable what that kid has been doing. So, Robert, thank you for the telephone call and tune back in tomorrow at 1.30 because Antoine's going to be on the show. Uh, tomorrow on the program, by the way, Brandon Gauden, as in former voice of the Butler Bulldogs and now the new television voice of the Atlanta Braves. The aforementioned Jeremiah Johnson will be on the program as we'll recap Pacers and Celtics and talk about what the next two months looks like for the blue and gold, hopefully making a playoff push. Mark Lowry, head coach of the Indy 11, will be on the program tomorrow, as will Colts tight end Kylan Granson. So the one thing that you have noticed on the show today is that I barely have mentioned the Colts. We'll work on that tomorrow. And I have barely mentioned the Pacers. We'll work on that tomorrow, too. But if you want to work on that right now, feel free to dial us up, 317-239-1070. Frankly, better yet, tweet to me, at Greg Rakestraw. Email the show, greg at 1070thefan.com. And then I'll jump back on the YouTube chat coming up in a matter of moments as well. So far, it's been Josh Schertz, Ron Hunter, Michael Lewis. Coming up next, it is Paul Casaro. The fourth-ranked team in Division Two is the University of Indianapolis. After that, Stan Girard. And after that, Angie Hinton, who hopefully is leading my hometown Lanesville Eagles to 1A Girls Basketball State Championship. Time for your telephone calls, tweets, and emails as well. It's the Fan Midday Show. Greg Rakestraw, your host today on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. If I don't know this fight song, I'm in significant trouble. You asked me to sing the words... I probably am in trouble. See, when you played a sport, they didn't play the fight song. You didn't have to teach the words. Like football probably learned the fight song at some point in time, which means I assume Paul Casaro can sing this chapter and verse. Right, Coach? Uh, <laughs> no one wants to hear me sing. Oh, of course we do. You don't want to hear you sing. <laughs> Paul Casaro joining us now on the unnamed guest hotline. Buddy, congratulations on a great run. How you doing today? I'm doing all right, and uh, thanks for having me on. Of course. All right, as I scroll down, uh, you have a dangerous two-step tonight and uh, Saturday as well at UMSL at Missouri S&T, but at 24-2, number four in the country, and more importantly, number one in the region rankings. How are you feeling about your ball club right now? Love our team. Um, great kids, you know, obviously talented players, but just you know awesome group of dudes to be around my staff is 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 incredible um and i'm just blessed to be around good people when when i saw your team play it was maryville on mlk night what stunned me was is the amount of time your kids spent in the weight room you got some big dudes on that team coach uh, yeah well credit goes to uh steve barrick our strength and conditioning coach uh you know, I've been around a little bit at the Division One and Division Two level, and it's going to be 
hard to find anybody as good as, as Steve. He's about as good as it gets. And, um, you know, he's a active as a big a part of our staff as, as me or any one of our assistants with what he does with our guys. And um, we lift like a lift, like a football team shows. And I'll be honest with you, the reason that we decided to do that, I remember two years ago, um, you know, when I inherited this team and, and we put them together, um, you know, we went down to Southern Indiana and I had a bunch of freshmen and sophomores. We were young at the time. And I, you know, we, we gave up like 20 O boards and lost by three and I'm like, man, we were we were boxing them out, but we just couldn't move them. You know, they were too big and too strong. So from that moment forward, it's like, all right, we're going to hit the weight room, and we, when we get old and mature, we're going to be do, be doing the bullying. The other thing that struck me too is that if you're going to put a uniform on, you're probably going to play in the game. Um, I think you played 11 the game that I was at, and as I am looking at your stats, that that's pretty common for you every game. How do you go? I mean, how do the guys handle knowing, hey, I might get five minutes here. I might not be back in the game for 10 minutes. How does your group handle that? Well, you have to have a selfless group that only cares about winning. And, you know, they're not they're not in it for themselves. They care about the success of each other and the success of the team. That's first and foremost. And, you know, that's you know that comes down to character and having high character individuals. But what it does is, you know, competition is a beautiful thing. And there's competition for minutes. And, you know, we have 11 really good ones. And, uh, they know they have to produce, and you know production will uh, get you on the court. We're gonna we're gonna get everybody in um, every single game. I believe in that, but what you get after that is earned. What you also have is hopefully guys that have stayed predominantly healthy. I'm like literally have your stats pulled up in front of me. Jesse Bing is a bit different. We'll get to him. He's averaging 32 minutes a game. Josiah Tynes is averaging 27 and a half. And nobody is above 25. I know you've got nicks and bumps and cuts and injuries. I, I understand you're 26 games in. But because you play so many guys, do you think you kind of lessen that load on your team as that calendar about flips to March? Yeah, I do think it helps. Uh, I definitely do. And, uh, you know, you want to be playing your best ball when, when, when March comes around. And, you know, if you have wear and tear all over your body, then, you know, that's not going to be the case. So um, I agree with you. I think that's been good for us. And, and hopefully it can continue to be so. All right. You've got two young men from Warren Central that were a part of an undefeated state championship team five years ago. Jesse Bingham is your leading scorer. Jacoby Robinson, as he did in high school, gets you like five or six of everything because he can kind of play positionless basketball. Your thoughts on what that combination of players from Indianapolis do for your team? I mean, people who have seen us play know that, you know, they're, they're, they're both really good. <laughs> and uh, if you think with Jesse, you know, he's an assassin out there. He's going to go out and he's going to get buckets. He's going to guard the other team's best player. It's just, you know, he's coming at you on both ends. And then, you know, Jacoby, you know, like you said, he his versatility, I think he's the most versatile player in the league. He plays the one through the five on offense. He guards the one through the five on defense. And, you know, like you said, he can – he can he can fill up a stat line for sure because his length and uh, everything just poses so many problems. But the main thing with both these guys are they're winners and having guys that know what it takes to win and, and their 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 past success is you know um, you know pouring over into their college career and they're 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 doing it with us and uh, they've really taken a uh, a step in the right direction with leadership this year in terms of they've always 
done lead by example and done stuff the right way and worked hard, but they're both two of our most vocal guys now, so I'm really proud of them for that. If you don't follow Paul on Twitter, you should. Pretty simple. At, at Coach Corsaro, C-O-R-S-A-R-O. And if you have a student on campus at the University of Indianapolis, even though now the home games would have to be because of the regional round, we'll talk more about that in a second, uh, you probably have gotten free stuff. Um, you're a coach uh, Thursday nights, Saturday nights, and when you, when you practice with your team you're a twitter marketing wizard when you are not um do you mind sharing with our listeners some of the things you have rounded up to get people to go to nickerson hall to watch your team this year just some you know kind of crazy corny ideas all of the above but hey it's working so but you know we just um you know we got a good group and you know we want to we want to pack the stands and what we've done is you know i just want to get students there so uh started this thing kind of stole the idea from purdue with their paint crew and uh, came up with this thing called Casaro's Crew, and uh, you know we handed out you know 200, roughly 250 shirts to students that say, "Hey, I want to be a part of that," and it kind of incentivizes it. Like, so if you come to a game and you have a T-shirt on, you know we got them pizza a couple times, and then another another game we gave them Chick-fil-A gift cards, and then you know coming to the game got you a chance to um, you know be raffled off to shoot a half court shot for a hundred dollar gift card. We, we did two of those and just coming up with creative ways to incentivize coming to the games to make it more than just watching a basketball game, making an experience. And, you know, I credit to our administrative team for allowing me to, to run with it and supporting it because it's been a lot of fun. Before we get to talking more about your team and kind of what the postseason path looks like, let's talk about you for a second because I've been fortunate enough to cover Paul as a coach, as a student athlete. Uh, our relationship goes back to when he was the backup quarterback at Ron Colley and then the starting quarterback, and then I was the one doing the radio uh, some 20 years ago uh, to, to kind of age both of us. You know, maybe because it's, you played at Ron Colley, I knew you played basketball too. I think of somebody from Ron Colley, pardon me, I, I, I think of football first you went to Youngstown State you came home you played both sports at what point in time do you kind of decide you know what I think basketball is more of my future than say football is going to be you know um kind of going back to high school you know yeah I I probably when you look back at it now 20 years later and I think my parents would you know they I know they were telling me this you know um you know we kind of put um, Joe Brittner, you know, Jason Warner, Pat Koontz, you know, myself, you know, Ron Colley basketball leading up to that point hadn't been much to speak right. of. And we kind of put Ron Colley basketball on the map and did some pretty cool things. And I was probably a better basketball player than I was a football player. But, you know, like, you know, you know football family and, 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 you know, Ron Colley football, you know, I, I had a few Division One offers, uh, small Division One for both basketball and football, um, chose to go to Youngstown State. Um, you know, grateful for that experience, but, you know, I, I was even kind of being told back home, like, hey, you might want to consider basketball. You might want to consider basketball. Well, when I decided to transfer from Youngstown to come back to UND, I didn't miss basketball, and that was a big part of it. I knew UND was going to give me the opportunity to play both because they had offered me for both out of high school. And it was a chance to come back home. It was a chance to, you know, play basketball again and do both. And, you know, um, that was a great experience. And I really enjoyed playing for Coach Stan Gerard. You know, he was a, uh, always been a good, uh, very good mentor to me. And, you know, I just enjoyed playing for him so much when he asked me to join his staff as a GA. Um, it was a no-brainer, and I uh, enjoyed coaching, and it, it just never got out of it. By the way, Stan's on next segment. And you want me to pass it along to Coach Gerard when he's up in about 10 minutes? Yes, please do. Yeah, yeah, there's, there, I always say that you always have the people 
um, in your in your life, you know, you, you, the, the males in your family, your dads, your grandfathers, your uncles that, you know, kind of mold who you are. But outside of family, there's been no one that's had a bitter, bigger impact on me in my life than him. So I owe a lot to him. I will certainly pass that along. All right. Now, um, yesterday was the big ranking. The national stuff is great, but it's where you are in your region. That comes out as number one. So, like, do you have, like, a, a, a GA or an assistant coach that is, like, the mathlete of the group that's trying to figure out all of these rankings points the next two weeks as to what you need to do to ensure that you get that number one ranking and get to host a regional at Nickerson Hall starting March 11th? Yeah, everybody in the program is a math whiz because this is really simple math. I'll tell you this much. Keep winning. Every day, every day we got to wake up and go one and zero. And if we do that, we'll be in good shape. So uh, that, that's all, all the math we need. All right, with that, and I pointed this out in the opening segment of the show. You have an opportunity to not play a postseason game anywhere other than the state of Indiana. Your thought, because again, three in Indianapolis. We hope. Three more in the Ford Center in Evansville, we hope, including a national championship game. Kind of your thoughts on the opportunity your team has in front of them. Tremendous opportunity. And, you know, um, I, I really want it for them because it's such a special group. And, you know, I really believe these guys can get it done. Uh, but um, if, if we think too big picture and we, you know, we look, look forward, it's not going to happen. We just like kind of I alluded to a moment ago about going one and we just got to wake up every day. Um, you know, dominate that day and get better each day. And I really think that if we do that and can stay focused, um, this group has a lot of potential and it could be a special finish to the season. All right, tell me about Umsel. That's your game tonight. Uh, what do you expect from your opponents this evening? Uh, they're tough. You know, we had to fight and call just to get the win at home versus them. And uh, Coach Sunvold is a heck of a ball coach. And what they are, they're gritty, they're physical. Um, you know, they spark their offense with their defense. They're going to they're, they're gonna reach. They're going to gamble. They're going to bump you. Um, it's going to be a football game pretty much out there. And, you know, we it, it comes down to toughness. You know, um, are we going to be tough on both sides of the ball? Are we going to rebound the basketball on defense? Are we going to value the ball and not get rattled by their pressure on offense? And that's really the name of the game. All right. So, uh, I, I, you know, you've done a great job of marketing. Uh, while we're sitting here talking, I've, I've had a couple of synapses fire. Uh, knowing if you get a home game again, it's going to be in the Midwest Regional. I also know know that is spring break uh and so you may have to like reach out to alumni to kind of fill those student sections uh at, at nickerson hall so instead of casaro's crew what if you went with paul's partly bald posse for the older right. wannabe students for the regional at nickerson hall in two weeks hey greg you did break up could you say that for me one more time sure. i actually didn't catch that sure so get a pen and write this down paul's okay. Partly bald posse. What do you think about that? <laughs> I think it's awesome. But I th- I'm going to put your face on the on the t-shirt, which which means you will have hundreds of t-shirts that you could not give away uh, if, if you do that. <laughs> but buddy, I'm so happy for you. Uh, I am hopeful that I'm calling a couple of games at Nickerson Hall coming up here in the middle of March. I know you got a tough one tonight. Best of luck in St. Louis, and thanks for the time on game day, my friend. All right, thank you. Good talking. You got it. Paul Kassara, again, he is the head coach at the University of Indianapolis, and they are number four in the nation. They are number one in the region. And if they are number one in the region in a couple of weeks, if they can win these last two, if they can win their three games in the GLVC tournament, then they will get to host NCAA Division II tournament games in their building for the first time in 26 years. And back then I would have qualified for Kassara's crew and not for Paul's partly bald posse. I don't think that's going to catch on or stick. We'll take this quick time out when we come back. 
a friend of Paul's, a friend of mine, Stan Gerard, head coach at USI. They are wrapping up their first Division One season. We'll talk to Superman Stan about that next. It's Greg Rakestraw, and you're listening to the Fan Midday Show, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. You know, it's been probably 25 years since I've heard this song on a regular basis. Like, this takes me back to the Pack Arena, which lived up to its name. It was packed, as in like 3,000 people every time they played. When I think of USI basketball, I think back to my freshman year of college. That was the year that they won the Division II National Championship and Stan Gerard was playing. I think they beat my Hounds 125-88 to in the regular season game that we played down there over the Christmas holiday. Uh, this year, USI has made the jump to Division One, and so far they are 15-14. and 14. And frankly, that doesn't happen. Like, if you're a first-year Division One program, you are hopeful to maybe win, like, double-digit games and not embarrass yourself. They've got wins over Missouri Valley teams like Southern Illinois, like Indiana State. They've got a win over a Mac school in Bowling Green, and they have done very well in the Ohio Valley Conference Tournament. Uh, the Screaming Eagles will be playing host to Tennessee Tech tonight in their final game at the uh, new arena on campus, which is just gorgeous. They play at Tennessee State on Saturday, and then it is the OVC Tournament, which is just down the road, down the Lloyd Expressway, State Road to 62 in downtown Evansville coming up next weekend. Stan Gerard is kind enough to join us now. First of all, Paul Casaro preceded you on the show and had nothing but wonderful things to say about you. So if you want to gig him or joke about him, you know, be careful. He took the high road with you earlier. I paid him very well to say that, man. (laughs) But I I can't say uh, enough great things about uh, PC and the job he's doing at UND, man. I I keep up with those guys. Uh, I pull up their stats every game, man. Those guys are killing it over there, man. I'm really proud of him. And um, the team for what they're doing, man, they, um, they, they're they killing it at that level. I'm I, really proud of those guys. I know that Ben Nickerson played for you, and I know you at least recruited, I think, Jesse Bingham. Who all on that team would have played for you before you made the jump to Evansville? Uh, uh, Bingham was a red shirt. Yep. Um, uh, Kendrick Tashua, is he still there? He's still there. He's one over 1,000 points. Uh, yep, I saw that, yep. And Ben Nickerson, that should be it. Pretty good group, though. Just those three guys, real great group of guys, man. Um, they, um, you know, I'm looking at the roster as we speak. Yeah, Kendrick Kishu, just those three guys. So um, he about got me out of his hair, man, with my guys leaving. But uh, <laughs> he's done a great job of filling the pieces. Uh, you know, you look at who he bought in. Uh, I'd say that one of the biggest recruits he probably bought in is probably, I would say, the kid, uh, the David Asia. I don't know how much he's playing. He is. So Bruno, Bruno Williams from, uh, from Lewis. Uh, that kid was hard for us to guard when I was at UND because he was he could play inside out. And, uh, he was a matchup nightmare. Well, let's talk about your team because 15 wins in a program's first Division One season does not happen. I, I know how high your bar is. I, I, I understand and get that. But you've got 10 home wins, 15 overall. Just your thoughts on what you and your group have accomplished in this first Division One season. You know, you know, 15 wins is, you know, I, I'm – I'm, I'm happy, but you know, I'm never content with sure. what we're doing. So uh, I feel like we could easily be, 
um, you know, 19 and 10 because of some games we, we kind of let go. Um, but, again, you know, this is our first year at this level. Um, we're trying to learn the landscape of the OVC. I know we watched a lot of it on film prior to playing, but it's a lot different once you, you, you get into real action play. And uh, the quality of players in this league and the quality of coaches in this league is, is uh, unbelievable. Um, you look at, you know, the kid at Auburn right now who was at Murray State last year who was in our league, the, the Brown kid, you know, he had 19 points and 11 rebounds last night. Guys are leaving our league to go to higher levels. Um, but it's never a night off. You know, I told my guys in the locker room a few weeks ago, um, I think we were playing Moorhead State. We lost that game, I think, by four in our place. And um, I, I told my guys um, that this is not D2 anymore. You know, <laughs> D2, you know, especially with the the lower teams in the league, you can take a few possessions off. But at this level, every possession matters. You, I mean, that's offense and defense. You cannot take a second off because of how good this league is. But – you know, we had some great wins. You know, we beat Southern Illinois Carbondale after they just came off a win against uh, Oklahoma State. Uh, we beat Indiana State. Yep. I, think, I think at the time was either undefeated or nine and one. Um, we played Missouri very well in the second half. Uh, lost that game. Was it uh, by six? Um, Notre Dame by twelve. Um, so we're right there, uh, but we still got to put some pieces in place. Uh, going forward, you know, to, to complete our team. You know, you cannot um, overlook the body of work that the two D, two guys that I had in India doing here, uh, Trevor Lake and Jacob Polakovic. Uh, Jacob Polakovic is, what, second in the country in rebounding. You know, Trevor Lake is one of the – still one of the premier shooters at, at, at this level. It, um, picked up where he left off at a D2. And uh, so those two guys are going to be hard to – you know, their shooters going to be hard to feel, but at the same time, we have some good pieces in place uh, going forward. The community has always supported this program, dating back to the to the Doc Sin days, let alone to the Bruce Pearl days and the Rodney Watson days, and and now back to you in that. But making that jump from Division Two to Division One, how would you characterize the difference in the level of attention slash support you're getting from Evansville and the surrounding area? It's it's uh it's unbelievable. Um, you know, I know when I played here back in the 90s, uh, I thought we had great crowds then, but our crowds now are we, – we, we see 4,800. And uh, I think one game we were at 3,200, and we broke that record twice. You know, there's been two other games where we broke the capacity record. You know, our season tickets are sold out in the lower bowl, and people are coming out. You know, it's like must-see TV. We're having two Division <laughs> One schools in our, in our city. And um, uh, I think we have a put good product on the floor, and it shows by the f- fan support that we're getting here. Um, in the community, uh, not just in our arena, but in our community, um, you see USI in stores. You see people uh, with USI T-shirts on now in the community. And that's something I've never seen before until we made this jump. So really, a, a really proud alum I'm speaking to right now, Greg, uh, because of what we're doing here uh, from a fan engagement standpoint. And our brand is being pumped, um, not just locally, but uh, uh, nationally as well. All right, let's talk about the immediate future, um, because I see it on your schedule. Are you allowed to play in the OBC tournament next week? Yeah, we play Tuesday night. We don't know who we're playing yet, but we, we, we secured um, an OBC tournament berth uh, with our win at Arkansas Little Rock uh, last Thursday night. So uh, we're excited, man, but we have two important games this week, but to, to make the OBC tournament in year one, um, that just tells you how good of a team that we really have here. And 
it, we all—it's it, also our hard work is finally paying off. Uh, so we'll tip off on Tuesday night. Uh, we're not sure we're going to play against yet, but we're happy to see another day uh, come next week, and we, we cannot wait uh, for the moment to arrive. You and I both know that doesn't happen. In other words, like you don't get to normally in your first division one year plan your league tournament, let alone sleep in your own bed. I'm sure you maybe get the guys' hotel rooms as part of it, but 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 play downtown. That's that's an amazing development there. It is, you know, and we're trending in the right direction. You know, we, we won't sleep in our own beds, but we'll be at a hotel here locally. And uh, I'll tell you what, our community is going to be be behind us uh, come next week. And um proud of my young men uh, for a job well done. You know, should we have won more games? Absolutely. But at the same time, uh, this is year one. And now we have a measuring stick um, uh, of the league, but I good we can really be. Uh, once we get some other pieces in place. And to be able to play in your first year in the OBC tournament right here in your own backyard, man, uh, you can't – what more can you ask for? And I, no NCAA and no NIT, but you could play in one of the other smaller events this year, correct? Yeah, yes. Um, we, uh, we've already got the invitation, I think, to the CBI. Uh, the email came in a couple of days ago, so we have to accept it um, and, and, and move forward. So, But that's a conversation you know, we're going to – uh, have with our administration at the conclusion of our season, and we'll go from there. But we 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 will have a chance uh, if we continue to play. Uh, can, I'm sorry if we win a couple more games. Sure, right. So, Got to be above 500. You know, yep. Correct. So if we win a couple more games, we'll we'll have a chance to play in the season. But the invitation came. You know, we've got to finish and do our part well, let, uh, with these last couple of few games. Let your friend who was part of a team that turned down a CBI ticket because they thought they were going to the NIT and didn't get one <laughs> say yes, uh, by the way, uh, you, you know, just yeah. just for, for grins and giggles there. And you mentioned, <laughs> you, you, you touched on Trevor Lakes and Jacob Polakovic, and Trevor is from Lebanon. Jacob's a, a kid from, from Michigan. Both played for U, UND. Uh, Jacob then made the move with you to the Division II level to USI. Trevor played at Nebraska and, and then came back to USI. Those kids, again, New Year program, New Year system, they've been great. But you still now have this three-year window where you're like, okay, I want you to come build this, but you don't get that NCAA tournament run. How, how does that affect you from a recruiting standpoint, trying to replace like guys like that going forward? Well, that's our biggest struggle right now, Greg, is, is finding young men to come in. Um, and one thing I do, when I, you know me, you've been around me a long time. I'm very transparent yep. about everything. I don't hide anything from any of our kids. And uh, when I recruit a young man, we made some calls a couple of days ago to a couple of guys, and I told a young man before we go any further, here's what's going on with our postseason birth, you know. And if you don't want to talk to us anymore, I understand. Um, but we would love to have you in our program. And he proceeded to have a conversation with me, so he's at, he has interest. But at the same time, there's some programs that are we're recruiting against that use that against us, and, and I get that because it's not – it's true. It's public knowledge, and I understand that. Um, so that has hindered our recruiting a little bit. You know, we, 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 we didn't get the guys we wanted, you know, this year, but we got the guys that we can get. And uh, we're going to keep trending in that direction until we um, – until this postseason ban uh, is lifted and then we can play, in, in, like I said, in four years – in three more years after this year, rather. But that is huge. You know, we, we had a team – I won't say the name, uh, but there was a team in our league um, uh, this past season that we were recruiting the same kid, and they told the kid that, they cannot play in the postseason, uh, meaning USI cannot play in the postseason. Right. Well, the kid ended up going to the other school, but I asked him, I said, well, I know we cannot play in the postseason, but when's the last time in your school that you're going to play in the postseason? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. 
and they haven't been in, let's say, 25 years. Okay. And, um, yeah, so – but people are using that against us. And it's, it's fair game, you know, because it's the truth, you know. And um, we just got to find ways around trying to, you know, get these young men to uh, believe in our product and our culture and come here and um, play for something bigger than basketball, and that's your academic degree. Um, but, you know, we're going to keep chipping away at it until we can, you know, get the band lifted. And I think once that band is lifted, the sky's the limit because we have great facilities here. All right, I know you had a very scary situation uh, with Tyler Henry at the end of the game on Saturday. What can you tell us about how he's doing at this point? Uh, he's home. Um, he, he got released. Uh, we, we, we got him. We transported him back to Evansville on uh, early Sunday morning. Uh, I think I walked in my front door of my house at uh, 6.48 a.m. <laughs> after we got him transported. A very scary situation. Um, you know, he went down in the game and passed out and um, – a lot of credit goes to the EMT people over at um, you know, over in Cape Girardeau who came to his rescue and and probably saved his life. Mm. Um, but uh, got him back home. He was released from the hospital late Monday night, and he's still being uh, uh, he's still being observed to to make sure he's okay. He will not play. Um, I know this week for sure. Um, and and you know me, Greg. I, I care about this kid. Yep. For all my kids, but I don't want to play him at all. But if he gets cleared, I'm sure, like any other 22, 23 year old, he's going to fight me on it. So, but we, everything is, is on the doctors right now. I think the biggest thing for me right now is to make sure that um, his health and well being is in place. And I know, obviously, I'm sorry, so jump in. I, I know, obviously, we're, we're all kind of with, with Demar Hamlin from December. We're all that's first and foremost. And I know the folks at USI over a decade lost a young man in the game, and so that that really hits home um, at, yeah, at, at, at USI as well. And obviously, you handle that like the dad you are, uh, frankly, yeah. uh, in making sure yeah. that the kid's health was was the most important thing. All right, Dan. On a lighter yeah. note, you know, you and Paul would say nothing but nice things about each other. We can both agree. We can give Chad Gilbert as much grief as possible for that man bun he's rocking right <laughs> that's embarrassing man he came back uh our team was uh in uh, 93-94 was inducted into the uh usa hall of fame man i'm old i'm greg i'm old i'm a six-time hall of famer man <laughs> <laughs> I, I, i'm old man i'm just i'm sitting here thinking about this i'm an old person man god like, but thank god for 52 years but chad came back to that induction and uh he and his wife amy stayed at my house and he was, I, I go down to the basement, to the restroom, and, and he's down there with the ponytail out. And I said, dude, that, that, you have more hair than your wife. That's embarrassing, man. You have to like that. But it, it, I, I guess if, if he likes it, I love it, man, because he likes it very well. Looks like a wrestler, man, because he's so tall. But uh, that man bun got to go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get him to cut that one day. Nah, you know what? Uh, as somebody that is follically challenged, anybody that can grow that le- level of hair at that age, God bless him. <laughs> Have him have, have him go for it. I'll, I'll see him, uh, and I'll hear about this conversation when I see him on Saturday at the IHSAA Girls State Finals. Buddy, I am so happy for you, man. Best of luck in the OBC tournament next week, and I'm hoping I'm seeing you in the CBI coming up real soon. I appreciate you, man. Hey, go, go Eagles, man, and uh, good luck to you, India. They're, they're hosting the uh, – looks like they're going to be host the first the, – they'll host the first round, their number one seed, so good luck to those guys. I'm going to be calling Paul when we hang up. 
to uh to, to give him a hard time because he broke my 17 game win streak record. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's getting ready for Umsel right now, so give him a call on game day. All right, I, I sure will. I'm, I'm I'm getting ready for Tennessee Tech, so I'll give him a shout. You got it, buddy. Stan Gerard again, kind enough to join us on the unnamed guest hotline. Our coach's corner continues, but not in the next segment of the show. The last five segments of the program, we've had a guest on every segment. This segment is open. I've got some tweets I've been sitting on. You want to call the show, now's the time. 317-239-1070. And again, you can email to greg at 1070thefan.com. My phone was blowing up. Some people know I'm on live radio right now. Back in a moment, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Jay Giles is not the fight song for anybody. Maybe it's like the fight song for like the girls of the Big Ten. You know, Playboy. Because the song is centerfold. See what I did there, Jim? Okay. It's not bad off the top of my head. And when you have less hair, you know, those good ideas are able to, you know, spring forward out of it. Uh, Greg Rakestraw in today and tomorrow on the Fan Midday Show here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. You've been able to sit back and almost kind of treat this like a podcast for the first two hours uh, because it's been guest upon guest upon guest upon guest, coach after coach after coach after coach. We have one more of those coming up in the next segment of the show. JMV yesterday had Jeff Allen, the head coach at Bedford North Lawrence, his buddy from Eastern Green on the program. Well, in the next segment of the show, I will have my friend, the head coach of my alma mater, that being the Lanesville Eagles, playing in the 1A championship game coming up on Saturday. Angie Hinton will be joining us in the next segment of the show. But now is the time where... Again, uh, I'm largely an only child. Um, I've been working in radio and television now for 30 years. So believe me, I have a lifelong love affair with the sound of my own voice. I can carry this myself if you want. But if you'd like to interact, now is the time. 317-239-1070 at Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. Email the program to greg at 1070thefan.com. Again, Pacers Celtics tonight at 630. Catch it here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Um, as we mentioned earlier, um, I am I am not of the group that thinks it's better when the Pacers lose so they get a better draft pick. No, I, it's, it's a benefit, but I want to see this team win. I want to see this team be a playoff team. Um, And so now that you've had the eight-day gap, and I realize that this team has not been playing their best basketball uh, as of late. And right now, uh, heading out of the All-Star break, the Pacers have 22 games left to go. They are two and a half games back of the last play-in spot. They are seven games back of the last guaranteed playoff spot. Nothing exhilarating on talk radio like reading standings. I'll make this as quick as I can. Celtics, Bucks, Sixers, Cavs, Nets, Knicks. Those are the playoff teams. Will the Nets stick after they had to detonate their team um, because of Kyrie Irving, go figure, before the All-Star break? The teams in the play-in round, Heat, Hawks, Wizards, Raptors, and of course the Hawks just fired Nate McMillan yesterday. In other words, there's a couple of easy marks in front of the Indiana Pacers, and the Chicago Bulls know that they have lost Lonzo Ball for the season, just brought in Patrick Beverly, but the conversation in Chicago is, 
hey, should we go back to tanking too? And so you've got two or three teams in front of the Pacers that don't be surprised if maybe they start reversing course and heading back towards the blue and gold. So I want to see the Pacers win at this juncture. Um, there's nothing you're going to do from a, you know, player move standpoint. You know, you've got the guys you've got. And again, to me, what's more important than, you know, winning, tanking, what have you, keep getting experience for Tyrese Halliburton. Keep getting experience for Aaron Neesmith. Keep getting experience for Andrew Nemhart. I want these guys to go through a playoff push to have that experience for next year and beyond. So I don't think it's a bad thing if this team is in the play-in round and works their way into a playoff and potentially loses out on a lottery pick. You want to tell me the last time the lottery went well for the Indiana Pacers? Hang on, I'll wait. Like, I I asked this half seriously. In the history of the lottery, and, you know, it starts in 85 with the Patrick Ewing um, frozen envelope conspiracy. We got Wayman. At number two, even though the Pacers didn't get the number one pick, number two pick's pretty good. Um, in the history of the um, percentage lottery, like, hey, the number one team gets like 20% or 25%, number two gets 18%, whatever it is. Like, legitimately, have the Pacers, like, ever moved up in the draft? I'm asking that question. Like, ser- like, like Jim, feel free to look that up if, if you can. But, like, I can't remember the Pacers because we've talked about this for years. Haven't had their own top 10 pick. You know, we said that about Benedict Matherin all offseason. First time the Pacers have had a top 10 pick since George McLeod. So, seriously, I don't think the Pacers have ever gotten squat in the lottery. because They've not moved up to number one, obviously. They've not moved up to number two. They've moved up to number three. They've always gotten their slot. So, maybe you'd think they're due. At the same time, odds tell you they haven't been. So I want to see this group win. I want to see them succeed. I want to see them, even if they don't get there, I want to see them experience a playoff push. And of course, they are playing the best team in the East tonight in terms of the Boston Celtics. 317-239-1070. If you want to join the conversation at Greg Rakestraw on Twitter, or you can email me to Greg at 1070thefan.com. Uh Michael asked me this on Twitter about an hour ago, or responded on Twitter, but figured I would share with the rest of the group as well. In your opinion, best sectionals in each class for someone who doesn't have a horse in the race to go watch would be which ones? So I sh- for the Twitter audience, you saw my response. For those of you listening online or watching on YouTube, here you go. Um, any of the 4A sectionals locally are fantastic. Sectional 8 at Carmel. Parking's going to be a problem, so prepare for that. Uh, maybe you should Uber to the game. You know, Go have dinner someplace in the Arts District, and, and then they'll take you to the game. Uh, but the top-end teams maybe aren't as great there as they have been the last few years, but it could be any one of four or five teams that wins there. Section line at Muncie. It used to go to the Muncie Fieldhouse is a good thing, but Greenfield maybe has their best team like ever. New Pal maybe has their best team like ever. Anderson has their best team since like the North Central Conference heyday, like the their best team in the last 20 years. Muncie Central is much better. Richmond is much better than they have been. Mount Vernon's talented, young, but talented. So sectional nine is going to be great. So you can go up there. Sectional 10 is where I will be posted up next week at Warren Central. I've got Tuesday, Friday, Saturday games on ISC and my Indy TV. 
Uh, I've been at that sectional like seven of the last nine years. That's always a good time. Again, it's probably not as good on, on the high end as it has been, but still very deep. Could be any one of three or four teams that comes out of there. Sectional 11 at Perry that has 25-0 and 0 Ben Davis, but two teams that have been competitive with them in Southport and Pike that are in that sectional. Worth your time. If you feel like making a drive, the 2A sectional in Delphi is going to be really good. I think all six teams have at least 11 wins. Carroll is fun to watch. Um, if you feel like making a longer drive, and forgive me, um, I've forgotten whether it's at Orleans or, or, or Ligoti or Bar Reef. Remember, host the sectional down there. But the 1A sectional 63 that has Ligoti, Orleans, Bar Reef. Bar Reef's a bit down from what they have been. They're always good. Ligoti and Orleans are both in the top five, and they played to a four-overtime game when they played earlier this year. You won't go wrong going to any of those. Kevin and David are on the phone lines. Let's take Kevin's phone call first. Good afternoon, Kevin. How you doing? Hi, Greg. Pretty good. I think the Purdue women, other than playing against Indiana, have been playing real well. I wanted to ask you two questions. And um, Do you think they can make the NCAA? And then in high school sports, do you think the, the regional sports will ever be played at Ben Davis? I can't remember if they were, but it just seems like it's always a Southport. Sure. They, take the questions off the air thanks Greg you got it Kevin and honestly when it comes to women's college hoops uh, my focus has been on Indiana so I, I I can look it up and give you an answer but I don't have the Purdue answer off the top of my head I know this with Katie Gerald's there they will be successful sooner rather than later because she's won so much at Marion and the quality of person she is they're getting there quickly they're going to be good if not at the end of this year then next year in the near future etc uh, my focus has been on what Terry Morin has been doing down in Bloomington from a women's college basketball standpoint. From a Ben Davis standpoint, um, Southport's gym is so good, and they are so wonderful at hosting. Um, the local 4A regional is always going to be at Southport, just simply put. 7,000 seats, uh, plenty of parking available. Um, last week, the folks at Southport were basically asked to host a semi-state on Saturday. And they pulled it off flawlessly uh, by the following Saturday. So uh, there's a reason we call Southport the Marion County Mecca. They host the Forum Tip-Off Classic, the Marion County Tournament, uh, a regional and a semi-state now, and a sectional when need be. That is always going to be at Southport. Kevin, thanks for the phone call. David is up next. We have not talked a lot of Colts in the show today. Let's fix that now. Hello, David. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. Um I'm curious about what you think about the Bears and their discontent with Justin Fields. How real is it? I'm thinking about moving up in the draft, and here's a wild speculative thought. Um, Why not acquire Justin Fields and let a good coach turn him into a first-rate quarterback like Mr. Hertz? You know, if take your answer off the air, David, thank Thank you you. very much. And, And honestly, David, I think that whole Fields conversation is just smoke. Um, I think everything, and I, I'd probably do the exact same. I'm not sure if I would uh, be making my franchise quarterback feel bad about his skill set, but everything is talking out of both sides of your mouth. Um, duplicitous sounds sounds mean. There's no way to spin that as a positive, but you are trying to throw everybody off the scent from a journalistic standpoint as to what you're going to do if you're the Bears two months from now. And you are trying to drive up the price on your number one draft pick, on your extremely 
tradable asset that the Bears have. I don't think for a second they are moving on from Justin Fields. If for some reason the Bears want to move Justin Fields, then if I am Chris Ballard, I'm having that conversation. Absolutely. We've talked about wanting to go out and get your own young quarterback. Well, Fields is two years removed from Ohio State. Young enough for me, he's on a rookie deal for at least two more years, if not three. I'd sign up for that. And yeah, I know there are some probably some question marks about him in the passing game. And yeah, you can't be a running quarterback forever. I get that. He's still a young, dynamic talent, which we have looked for here. But as soon as I say that, and I forgot the caller's first name, but was it was it Paul that called in? Um, again, I I think that's all. Um, I think that's all BS to throw meat to the wolves that are reporters, and I think it's also public posturing to try to get more assets in tow for the number one pick because if you're the Chicago Bears like you probably feel you've got your quarterback and then after that and I forget where I saw this publication um, because I try to like to give attribution when this is not you know my own original thought and you know my extent of, of watching the Bears this year was doing the highlights on the red zone updates that I do for the Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium. And there were a lot of times when I would call Bears highlights where I go, I have no idea who that dude is. Like, if it wasn't a Justin Fields rushing touchdown, I'm like, and the Bears get the ball to some guy I've never heard of. Pretty much. So there, there is talk that they, they could, like, upgrade 20 of 22 positions, frankly. That's how bad the Bears are. What's the one position they feel they've got figured out? Quarterback. And I I would, again, feel it's perfect? No. But you have like 20 other places to improve other than quarterback? Probably. So what are you going to do? You're going to try to drive up the price on your number one draft pick. Now, and I have said this before, if I am the Colts, I'm moving up to get my guy. And I don't think moving to three is enough to get your guy. And I'm not saying Bryce Young is their guy. And you know you're not moving to two because the Houston Texans aren't going to trade with somebody in their own division, especially when they are going young at quarterback as well. If you wanted to think of a scenario where the Colts get the number two pick, here it is. You ready? The Bears do a deal with the Texans first. And the Texans go from two to one. And the Bears go, hey, let's get more picks. Colts, who do you want at number two? I actually think that's a possibility. But if you're this football team, as in the Indianapolis Colts, and if there's a quarterback you want, leave the Texans in the dust. Get your guy before somebody else in your division gets your guy. This is not just fodder for talk show radio, because trust me, I don't do this every day where I, I need it. I would be aggressive. Damn the torpedoes. Let's go. Go get the guy you want at the number one pick. So if for some reason, to answer your question, if Justin Fields were available, I'd go get Justin Fields. I don't think he's available. I think the Bears are simply trying to drum up interest and drive more traffic to, hey, for that number one pick, we're going to need year one and next year's one and year two and go and throw us a a pretty high third day draft pick as well. And, and that veteran that's in your locker room has only got one more year for his deal. Hey, let's bring him this way as well. It's going to be a lot to get to that number one pick. 
even if you are moving up three spots. But to get the guy that you feel is the franchise quarterback, we all know how valuable that is. And we have recognized in the last four years how valuable it is not in the other direction when you don't have that person. We'll take this quick time out when we come back. Maybe we'll sneak in one more telephone call or two. Got a great tweet that I want to get to, and I'm going to make sure that I hope we have time at the end of the show for me to touch on it. Also in the next segment of the show, the final guest of the Coach's Corner, and frankly the one that I probably care, and I've been friends with a lot of these guys for a long time, but uh, right in front of my face, I have a chance to call the alma mater as in the high school alma mater in a state championship game. That would be Lanesville. Their head coach and Angie Hinton joins us next. It's Greg Rakestraw, Fan Midday Show, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Why are we playing the Indiana Fight Song? This is not, by the way, a prediction as to what I think is going to happen on Saturday. I would pick Purdue, by the way, in that game. And for the guests that we have lined up tomorrow, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps I should get maybe like a Purdue or an IU guy on the show tomorrow. Tomorrow on the program, uh, Brandon Gordon will be joining us. Now the television voice of the Atlanta Braves, along the other stuff that he'll continue to do for Fox Sports, Big Ten Network, etc. Ten years ago, I thought I had him lined up to take a job at 1070 and 1075 The Fan, in addition to Colin Butler games. And I'll tell this story tomorrow. But then he goes, you know, I've got this interview at Georgia Tech. I'm, I don't think I'm going to get it, but i got to go on the interview anyway. Ten years later, he's like the voice of Madden. He's done National Football League games, Big Ten games, and now he's going to do Major League Baseball on a regular basis. And obviously so happy for him. He will join us tomorrow on the program. Jeremiah Johnson joins us tomorrow as well on the show. Again, Pacers in action against the uh, Boston Celtics tonight, which you can hear on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Uh, Tomorrow, also on the show, Antoine Davis. Again, we talked about that earlier in the program, chasing down Pete Maravich's all-time points record. We'll talk to him coming up during the 1 o'clock hour tomorrow. Mark Lowry, head coach of the Indy 11. You knew if I was going to be here for two days, we're going to talk some Indy 11 at some point in time, right? And, And while Mark's concern is what's going on on the field, I'll ask him about the new stadium plans that got released last week as well. And also tomorrow on the program, I'm spacing. Oh, yeah, how about Colts tight end Kylan Granson? Kylan has been very big in terms of being active in the community over the last couple of years. Like, he has a, I think it's a it's a book drive that is coming up. Got in my email. I could, I could check it. So that's one of the things we're going to talk about with him. But obviously, we're going to talk about everything else that has been going on with the Indianapolis Colts and the hiring of Shane Steichen, as well as the uh, hiring of Jim Bob Cooter and seemingly Bubba Ventrone now heading over, over to Cleveland. And the coaching staff is still getting settled in. But now that you've got the head coach that has been settled upon – the big news then is to me what is the next step and frankly what is most important and it's the players man and so let me while we're waiting on coach Hinton to track her down and get her on the program I may even push her back to the last segment of the show um and that's by the way what the reason we played Indiana or Indiana 
my high school as an LHS. That is our fight song. It's not Indiana or Indiana. It's Lanesville High School, dear Lanesville High School. I have sang the show. The uh, I have sang it on the program one time, not on this show, uh, in a previous uh, radio destination of mine. So when we were in the state semifinals for softball like 20 years ago, we proceeded to lose. So that was the end of me singing the fight song on live radio. If they win on Saturday, maybe I'll sing it the next time I'm on this radio station. How about that? Uh, but to keep the conversation going in terms of the Indianapolis Colts, uh, and you know the, the Steichen news now dates back to a week ago, and while I have not been sitting in this chair, I have been on a variety of enough shows that I would assume maybe you've heard my opinion on the subject. But I was very pro pro the move, okay? And as we get deeper into January, it was, you know, you're hoping for the most logical, common sense explanation. In other words, as this carried into month like two of the coaching search, the most logical explanation was, hey, you're hiring somebody that's still coaching in the Super Bowl. And that is obviously the case. The thing of the Steichen resume that has been most important to me was the variety of quarterbacks that he is has worked with and has been successful with. Because there's not a lot of uh, correlation between Philip Rivers, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, other than they've all played successful football in the National Football League, clearly two of them for a much smaller amount of time than Philip Rivers did. But you get my point. If, as a coach, you can win with different styles of player in any sport, you have my attention. Because you know how to tailor a game plan that best suits the players you've got in the locker room, on the court, on the field, you know, whatever the case may be. And so I love the Steichen hire. Now, in terms of whom the special teams coordinator is going to be, whom the defensive coordinator is going to be, we know who the offensive coordinator is going to be in Jim Bob Cooter. Um, Yes, that's all important. Okay. And yes, there are coordinators and position coaches that are better than the others. I get that. I acknowledge that. I understand that fact. But at the same time, once you've got your head coach in place, you're going to have a defense coordinator that wants to play the style that head coach wants to play. You're going to have an offensive coordinator that, again, knowing you've got an offensive coach, those guys are going to be, you know, in sync, simpatico. You're not expecting any sort of division between head coach and offensive coordinator when it's the head coach's offensive system is what the offensive coordinator is going to run. In other words, if you get the head coach higher right, pretty sure you can get the defensive coordinator higher right. And I'm pretty sure you can get the offensive coordinator higher right. And you get the position coaches higher right. And if there's one position coach we're all kind of focused on, who's coaching the Colts' offensive line. That is of utmost importance, given the regression we have seen from that group over the course of the last year or two. But now that you've gotten the head coach taken care of, and the coaching roster will fill itself out over the course of the next, oh, I think, five to seven days, heading into the combine next week, now it's about the, po- the, the, the part that is absolutely and utmost of the 
most importance, and that would be the players. I try when I'm sitting in this chair or on a television broadcast, which I do a lot more of these days than be here for three hours of radio. I try to avoid cliches. But there's also something to be said for cliches because they're cliches for a reason. They're brought up frequently because they are usually apt, if not original, descriptions of a scenario. And the first person that I heard of my various broadcast partners, they used to say this a lot. This will resonate with Jimmy Cook, proud alumnus of Ron Colley High School. I did Ron Colley games for four years on the radio. The first two years, my analyst was Bob Ashworth. Played football at Northwestern, was a longtime successful coach in many states, including at Lawrence Central High School here locally. His son, John, now the basketball coach at Hamilton Southeastern. And it's the first time that I have I've heard this phrase, and man, I've seemed to use that a lot in my head and both vocally over the course of the last 12 months. It's not about the X's and the O's, it's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's. And man, that's how I feel about the National Football League. In other words, you got to have the dudes. Because in theory, you've got 32 of the best football coaches on the planet that are head coaches in the National Football League. In theory, you've got 32 of the best offensive coordinators on the planet. They're in the National Football League. Are there some that are better in college? Yeah, probably. And of note, the Baltimore Ravens have made like not one but two hires directly from college to kind of repopulate their staff over the course of the last few days. In other words, there is such a high level of coaching and, frankly, finances that go into it in the NFL, I'm assuming whomever your defensive coordinator is going to be, Gus Bradley or somebody else, probably knows what they're doing. Same for all the position coaches. Now we get to the important part, the players. You're going to make that move to get your quarterback in the first round. You're going to get him more weapons in the second round. You're going to make a move either to bring in a veteran offensive lineman to kind of give a little more competition at some particular spots for the Indianapolis Colts. So trust me, it certainly has been worth conversation over the course of the previous five, six weeks up until early last week where the Shane Steichen news was announced. We've all been kind of waiting to see what's going to play out in terms of him populating his staff. But now the real fun begins. Free agency. Now the real fun begins. What are the Colts going to do with the draft? So in, in terms of the Colts, and we'll talk more about this with Kylan Granson tomorrow, you've got the head coach figured out. He will have the staff figured out. That's assumed that he'll put that together. Now it's once again on Chris Ballard. Now it's on what can you do? And again, I don't think it's a lot of moves. It's two three, four of the right moves. Getting that franchise quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years. Getting that franchise quarterback another weapon at the wide receiver position. It's somehow finding a way to recharge this offensive line, whether it's adding a veteran, drafting somebody, 
going out and getting the best position coach possible along the offensive line to make this group somewhere close to what they were two, three, four years ago. And on defense, somehow making that pass rush better. Again, defense is less of your worries than what it is on offense. You know, we talked about in the last segment when the caller asked about Justin Fields, that number one pick, and I said, you know, the Bears maybe could upgrade like most of their starting positions. That's not the task that Chris Ballard has at hand. He's just got to make a handful of the right moves to get this team from four wins back into potential playoff contention. And I firmly believe that. And this is the part where I again point out to you, and let's make no mistake about it, okay? This Colts season was bad, and that's being kind at 4-12-1. But the Colts' last win came, what, on like November the 13th? So, yeah, you're, you're fine on that front. However, um, two teams playing the Super Bowl, Colts beat one, and we're leading the other one late in the fourth quarter. In other words, even when you're at the the, the bottom end of the National Football League, which the Colts were, as evidenced by the fact they are drafting fourth, they're not that far away from the top. So there you go. A little uh, off-the-cuff Colts conversation because we have now tracked down our final guest of the program. Um, I have had many thrills as a broadcaster, and I am so fortunate to do what I do for a living, a job that I love every day. One of my common phrases is, I get paid to go to ball games for a living. Life's pretty good. But amongst the most cool things I have had the fortune of doing in my career, twice before this weekend, I have broadcast my hometown in a state championship game. That number now goes to three as the Lanesville Eagles will play the Bruins of Bethany Christian coming up Saturday morning at 1030. Bally Sports Indiana, the IHSAA Champions Network, and a coach looking for her second state championship joins us now in Angie Hinton. Hello, coach. How you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. It's a good place to be. What uh, Whirlwind is the one word to describe it. What have the last 72 to 96 hours been like for you, your staff, and your team? Well, definitely not much sleep, but a whole lot of excitement. So it's all worth it. The circles I have under my eyes are well worth it. They're blessings to everything that we've been able to go through this week. You have been here before. But obviously, it's a different world. It was 24 years ago that you were last leading a team to a state championship. How is it different now than it was back then in 1999? Well, I'm a little bit older and hopefully a little (laughs) bit wiser. Uh, 24 years, you're really dating me there. But, uh, you know, it's all the same excitement. Uh, The communities, uh, you know, what we did back then, it's just like it is right now. And for me as a coach, uh, even though I've been there before, this still feels like the first time because this is the first time with Lanesville. And what an exciting time for the community. Uh, the last uh, county school to get to the state finals, um, you know, and, and I'm very excited and very honored to be a part of it. Um, in looking at the Facebook feed, um, it looks like the that either houses are getting painted purple or all the floodlights are turning purple. Is there just this giant, literal purple hue over my hometown right now? Oh, yes, there is. You know, at the nighttime, the sky is lighting up purple, and it's awesome. 
I know I asked you a variation of this question in our, in our state finals meeting, but but for the purpose of the audience, when you took this job five years ago, was this even a a a, a thought in your mind that a state championship run could be possible from Lanesville? Uh, really not at all. You know, our goal was to just win more games than we won the year before. And each time, you know, we would reach a goal of getting the most wins in school history during the season. It was just so exciting. So, you know, we were just trying to really improve the program and, and make the kids competitive, you know, try to win a conference championship and then try to win a sectional championship. And, you know, each year it's just gotten, you know, better and better. And it has definitely exceeded my expectations. Well, clearly, um, given your track record of winning a state championship and the five great seasons you've had at Lanesville, you know, you can rely on your own expertise and be just fine. However, you do have a husband that has been to the Final Four twice and a daughter that played in a state championship game twice mm-hmm. that, that are on your staff. What are the family conversations about this like this week? Uh, well, there, there's always a lot of basketball, but, you know, I've said my entire life, you surround yourself with good people. And I think I've certainly done that because no one person can do this by themselves. You know, you you need that kind of staff that can talk to you, that you can listen to. Uh, that you're not afraid to take advice from or give them credit for. Um, and I've certainly got every perspective from, you know, my daughter being a player, you know, my husband and all his experience coaching and, you know, then myself. And, uh, you know, and we have another assistant on the bench that, uh, you know, has played and gives us a, a totally different perspective. And he's kind of a numbers guy. And my son, you know, he calls me and, and you know, he's, he's always critiquing my team too and giving me advice on things. So, uh, we're a very competitive family. Well, for those that don't know, again, back home, this is common knowledge, uh, but but Angie's son, Joe, is the boys' head coach at a rather young age down the road at Cordon Central, whose girls are also playing in the 3A championship game uh, coming up on Saturday night. As it relates to Joe, as in your husband, being a guy that, again, led his team to the Final Four in 71, led his team with Pat Graham to the Final Four in 89, what's his role on the bench during a game? What What is he contributing the most by the time you get to game time? Well, Joe kind of sees the whole game. Uh, you know, he's just a mastermind at seeing what's happening during the game and what you need to do. Uh, you know, he his mind is just phenomenal when it comes to, you know, breaking the other team down and having a feel for the game of what we need to change. And, you know, and I'm certainly – you know, right there listening to him. And, you know, sometimes we agree, sometimes we don't, but we, we end up working it out and it works out best for the kids. But to be able to have that conversation with him, you know, for me to say, well, I don't like what's going on. And he's telling me, well, it's going to work. And so then I have to say, well, all right, we're going to try it. Or I'm not going to try it. And he said, you should have tried it. So it's, it's a, a great banter that we have. Um, on the bench and just reading kids too, um, you know, knowing what kids to put in and what situations and, you know, his just experience with, you know, flow, ebb and flow of the game. Uh, he's just a, a mastermind at that. Again, Angie Hinton, head coach of the Lanesville Eagles. They are playing in the 1A championship game. I have the honor of broadcasting that game coming up on the Champions Network coming up on a Saturday morning at 1030. You can hear the game following Pacers Weekly at 11 right here on the radio call on 93.5 and, and 107.5 The Fan as well. I realize I'm asking you something that's not through your eyes, but the eyes of your players. 
what what have their conversations, the expression on their faces? Uh, like I saw every mom post a picture of their daughter's jersey that had the state finals patch on it yesterday. What's it been like watching them experience this the last three or four days? Well, it's just uh, a true joy for me to see the excitement on their faces, uh, the maturity that they have gone through in this entire process because these kids were they were in junior high and, and elementary when I first came in. So to see that change in their skill development, in their uh, their basketball IQ, uh, and now to see how the, the community has embraced everything with them. It's such a, a family culture here. Everybody's involved in everything, and they are just surrounded with a lot of love and a lot of support. Um, and just to see... Just to really just to step back and and just understand that how this is going to change their life. You know, this is a life altering experience for these kids that they may not understand quite now. Um, but we've tried to kind of prepare them for this and talk them through these types of moments. But you know, years down the road, you know what they are going to be able to tell their children and their grandchildren, and then also give back to the community the way the community has given to them. Has it hit you? You're about to have your last practice in your home gym of the season coming up this afternoon. You know, I, it kind of hit me this week because I was thinking about my seniors that, you know, today's going to be their last day actually practicing in the gym. And how cool is it to still be practicing the last week of the season and playing the last week, the last possible game of a season? It's just a great feeling. Now, is, is that the Bell at North Harrison or the Bell at Lanesville that I'm hearing right now? Uh, this is the Bell at Lanesville. <laughs> <laughs> Angie teaches at North Harrison and coaches at Lanesville, and school day's about to let out uh, at basically back home. Final thing before I let you go, I, I know you're busy, and I'll see you tomorrow uh, at, at the shoot-around uh, at 11 o'clock at Gamebridge. Um, but, but I realize this is Zach Payne's job, the AD and not yours. What is the ticket sale count at this point for the folks from Lanesville heading north? Well, I don't know what the number is, but whatever number we got, we were there were just like a you maybe twenty five to fifty tickets left last night in our section. So I'm sure that those are going to be gobbled up uh, before we get there. Uh, you know, I don't think anybody's going to be left in Harrison County between us and and our, our neighbors down there at Corden. Uh, you know, it's great for the community. I mean, how awesome is it for you know you know I. I grew up in Harrison County. Josh grew up in Harrison County. We went to Harrison County schools. I went to North. He went to Corden. I'm here still teaching at a or coaching at a Harrison County school. And for us to be up at a state championship on the same day competing for a title, I mean, it just doesn't get any better than that. I mean, what a story. No doubt about that. Uh, I am so thrilled to get to see you the next couple of days. Coach, thanks for what you've done for my hometown these last five years, and best of luck on Saturday. Thank you. Thank you. You got it. Angie Hinton, kind enough to join us on the unnamed guest line. Six great conversations with coaches. Thanks to all of them for joining us today. Oh, you quick timeout. We'll come back with some final thoughts. And again, we'll tease up what's going to happen tomorrow on the program. Fan Midday Show, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. This is also nobody's fight song either. I do think that this was like the intro music for Public Enemy back in the ECW days, but did Jimmy we, Jimmy has no idea what I'm talking did, about. Did we get closer, at least? 
In terms of what? You complained about the era of music you we were in. You nailed it. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Pret-a-Porte, in Acomose, the hot stepper, is, is what you're playing. 1995, yes, you absolutely nailed it in terms of that. Um, I am here. There is one more music bed left to play. You have a little uh, information to share with us, my friend? Always. The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a athlete. This is my way. This is how I win. Oh, it's back. Greg, it's back. The NBA is back. So let's play some action tonight, starting first with the Indiana Pacers. Greg has me convinced, maybe not enough to go with the money line, but I am going to scoop eight tonight on the Sirs. They hope host the Boston Celtics. And closing out the evening, going to take the Memphis Grizzlies on the road to win on the money line against the Philadelphia 76ers. 1-0 yesterday, 500 on the week. Plays on Twitter at the J. Cook. Now, I, I couldn't, I, I remember, I think last Friday, I'm not sure if this was you or somebody else that was, you know, trying to do a little gambling on the program on Friday. So they didn't know enough about Cleveland State to put money down on that game. It, it was regrettably me. I did say that. Okay. Now you got to remember, you know, I'm, I'm your Horizon League guy. I know. I'm the guy that I could I could tell you all about Cle- the, the play with the Cleveland State is play the under. They play hard. Not great offensively. They play hard. So, you know, wh- what was the play supposed to be on the Vikings last Friday? Well, I will be honest and r- reveal behind the curtain for a bit. I was in the host chair, so we had a lot of moving parts, and I was looking <laughs> to add one more thing. And the simulation models that I've looked at had it as about a two-point spread. And why I said I didn't know a lot about Cleveland State was I didn't feel confident in yep. laying two and a half there because I hadn't seen them play all year. So now, now the question is: Do you remember like any good degenerate gambler? And I mean that lovingly. Do you remember actually, you know, what the score of the game was? No, because I, you didn't bet on exactly, it, right? Exactly. Okay. The degenerate in his purest form. I did not follow up with it because I didn't have action on so it. This, so the spread was what? I think it was two and a half to the Vikings, and they won by seventeen. Wow! Change. All right, there you go. Right State's not what they normally have, but I may have told you to roll with the Vikings at the Wallstein Center on that one. So Next time I'm in the Horizon League market, right. you'll be my first call. I could be getting a phone call from the Horizon League <laughs> folks saying, hey, those games you're going to broadcast for us on ESPN+. Plus. <laughs> We're going to find somebody else. Thanks for playing, Greg. Appreciate that. Uh, I assume you are back here in this chair tomorrow, my friend? I will be. All right, very good. Um, Josh Schertz, Ron Hunter, Michael Lewis, Paul Casaro, Stan Gerrard, Angie Hinton. Those were the guests that were on the program today. Ended up being an all-coaches show edition of the program today. And again, all those people that I've got some sort of friendship relationship with over the years and people I go, you know what? If I'm going to do a talk show, these are the folks that I'd like to be talking to. Um, Tomorrow, I'd say the same thing. But again, we'll vary it up. From a guest standpoint tomorrow, Brandon Gordon will talk a variety of things with us and even a little baseball. He's now the lead television voice of the Atlanta Braves. Pacers in action tonight. Jeremiah Johnson, Pacers TV on the program. We'll talk about getting buckets with Antoine Davis. He is now second in the history of NCAA basketball in career scoring, playing for his dad, Mike, at the University of Detroit Mercy. Um, they will be in action. I'm assuming they're playing tonight. In fact, I know they're playing tonight, and they play again on Saturday. So he's 124 points away, I think, from Pete. And I said he's got two games guaranteed. He actually has three games guaranteed that he has left to play uh, because of conference tournament play as well. It's possible he could score 124 and three if they win or if they're over 500. They have a chance to play in a secondary event. 
We'll talk about that with him tomorrow on the program. Indy 11 head coach Mark Lowry on the show and Colts tight end Kylan Granson all on the program tomorrow. And I also barely talked Purdue and IU on the program today other than to say, hey, Saturday's game's going to be fun. I'm still, I wouldn't say concerned, but what's on my radar, I, I, I know what Purdue is at this point. I like to see them playing better than they have been. I know what Indiana is at this point, and I'm not sweating to – that was an emotional buzzsaw they ran into on Tuesday. Indiana was not going to win that game. I said people breaking down. They got to do more of this. Gotta, you were not going to win that game on Tuesday, given the circumstances. That's a loss. I don't think you're winning Saturday at Purdue either. I wouldn't be freaking out about the Hoosiers if you lose both those games this week. Again, it's all about March for each of those two teams. But we'll talk about the big get-together tomorrow on the program. JMB's up next. Thanks for putting up with me. We'll do it again tomorrow.